0: Tim Burton, director of Batman, Beetlejuice, and Edward Scissorhands, now takes you to a completely different world. The true story of a Hollywood legend, Ed Wood. And action! He made movies like no one else. You want to keep moving? You've got to get through that door. Cut! That was perfect. Perfect? Do you know anything about film production? Well, I like to think so. He had an eye for talent. I met Bella Lugosi. I thought he was dead. This is the most uncomfortable coffin I've ever been in. No, he's very much alive. (laughs) You flying saucer? He had a passion for storytelling. Get me transvestites. I need transvestites. You're flashy. They want that. Okay. But they want professionalism, so Nick's on the Nelly without losing naivete what kind of a movie is this it's science fiction a heartbreaking romance grave robbers from outer space robbers from what and he had a secret he couldn't hide i like to dress in women's clothing panties sweaters pumps it's just something i do you don't like sex with girls no i love sex with girls wearing their clothes makes me feel closer to them how can you act so casual when you're dressed like that all right everybody let's finish this picture touchstone pictures presents johnny depp Martin Landau, Sarah Jessica Parker, Patricia Arquette, and Bill Murray. In the true story. Give him a hand. Keep rolling. Of an unforgettable filmmaker. We're making another movie. I got the church of Beverly Hills to put up the cash. How do you get all your friends to get baptized? Just so you can make a monster movie. And his legacy that will live forever. How do you burn this off? Shake his legs around. It looks like he's killing. Oh! This is the one. I command you! This is the one I'll be remembered for. Ed Wood, a Tim Burton film. Really? Worst film you ever saw. Well, my next one will be better. Hello?
1: Greetings, my friends. This is another exciting episode of the Film and Water Podcast, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and uh, I'm back for yet another audio commentary. I just cannot stay away from these things. They are so much fun to record. And uh, last week we did Jaws, mainly for the hell of it. But uh, this time I'm here with my pal David Ace Gutierrez. Hi, David. Hey, Rob. How are you? It's been too long. It's been too long. We have not recorded together. According to Skype, we have not recorded together in seven months, and it's been way too long. David is here with me to do an audio commentary for one of our favorite films Tim Burton's Ed Wood, which celebrates his 25th anniversary this oh, year. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm getting very old. Having, uh, it came out October 7th, 1994. There's so many anniversaries uh, flying around this year. And, of course, our pals, uh, Zaki Hassan and Brian Hall, have been doing a lot of commentaries over on their show, the Movie Film Podcast. But... I'd never heard them talk anything about Ed Wood, and uh, so I thought, this is perfect. I love this movie. David loves this movie. So we're going to do a commentary track on it. So uh, we're going to jump right into it. Um, there is no alternate cut of this movie. There's just the one cut of, of Tim Burton's. So I'm going to count down. I'm going to say 3, two, 1, and then hit play. And then if you're watching the movie along with us, you will hit play when I say, and then uh, we will get rolling on this uh, uh, I would argue tim burton's masterpiece, but we could talk about that when we get to it so David, if you 're ready, I will count down wait, so it 's three two one then play. you hit play, or are you hitting play on one i 'm hit three two one play that okay. is how we 're going to do it so okay, okay, so all right, so three two one play so all right let 's just jump right at David. Did you see this movie in the theater when it came out uh no
2: sadly i didn't i didn't rush out to see it for some reason I think um oddly enough i was in film school at the time and uh i went to, i went to the uh to the Cooper school of <laughs> film no i went to university of texas at austin and uh and um no i didn't but you know what i like about this shot and this is um so right now we, as you can see we're tracking in through the house and we're gonna meet uh my friend jeffrey jones mm. and i mean i don't mean that seriously at all by the way thank god but um what I like about this is I've always felt Tim Burton's films have a really strong artifice to them. Do you know what I mean? They they never quite feel real. Oh, completely. Sure, sure. I never feel like I'm ever – I don't know how you feel, but do you ever feel like you're um, immersed in his worlds? I always feel there's a very a, a strong distance. When I see his movies, there's um, oh,
1: sure, right from the very beginning. I mean, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. We're in Pee Wee's weird candy coated world. That's it's like our it's like our world, but it's not it's not our world,
2: right? So this, I think, finally celebrates the well, one the budget constraints of the movie, which which uh, mirrors perfectly Ed Wood's budget constraints, right? Right? And 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 because um, all this is very artificial anyway. If that makes sense, but. Um, as far as biopics go, this is this has to be one of my favorites, despite some of its. Um, I uh, you know, the, the, the screenwriters uh, were a little fast and loose with a few things, and you know, this is of course based on a book.
1: Right, Scott Alexander see. and Larry Karaszewski, based on a right. book by Rudolph Gray. We should mention.
2: Right. So this is uh, what well, this is a uh, Burton's I think fourth movie. Um, coming off your favorite movie, uh, Batman Returns. Yeah, and I Edward guess Caesar so. Hands. Yeah,
1: Edward Scissorhands, yep. right? And Batman. Yeah. So I guess this would have been his his fifth one oh, because he did one, Pee-wee, two, three, four, five. yeah, he peewee Beetlejuice, Batman, Edward Scissorhands, and then Batman Returns.
2: So. Right, and then then he then he gets a good then, then he then he sticks the landing on this one. Um, so, were, were you an Edward fan? I mean, what did did you see this in the theater? What track, did I did.
1: This? I I saw it at midnight. They were doing a midnight screening. Uh, I was living up in North Jersey at the time, and uh, they were doing a midnight screening, and they were giving away uh, Ed Wood t-shirts, which was just a simple white shirt with the image of of Johnny Depp uh, in the director's chair wearing his – basically the poster – uh, and I could not. We could not have been more excited because I, yeah, I was an Ed Wood fan. I had already spent some time working at Movies Unlimited, and I was familiar right. with with Plan Nine from Outer Space and Glenn or Glenda. And I had become, you know, a fan of Ed Wood's uh, oeuvre basically because they were so bizarre and wonky and crazy. And uh, I, so I was. I could not have been more excited over this movie. And we, you know, if you're not watching this movie with us. Um, we should mention this movie is entirely in black and white. Right. And, a risky and this, move back then. A risky move. This is – I would argue – I mean we've all heard about the notion of the blank check, which is when, it, when a director <laughs> – that, that's a great
2: movie.
1: Yeah, yeah that's, that's what, We'll do a commentary for that one too. Uh, when, when, a, when a director has such heft in Hollywood that they can – basically write their own ticket, which unfortunately, I don't even think exists anymore. I don't think that's a thing. But at a point, uh, at this point in the 90s, it still was a thing. And a director could, on the strength of, of his, or, or a star, on the strength of their, their involvement, get something made. This was Tim Burton cashing in that check. Because he right. was going to make a, a story about a about a person really on the margins of society that only really big, big movie nerds knew. And he was going to do it in black and white. I mean, just completely unheard of for 1994. And that, and Disney, for a studio film. Because indie, indie film was sure. was
2: on its rise, and you would have this sort of thing. You'd have like right. a Jarmouche movie, or you'd have something else that was done right. in black
1: and white. And Woody Allen could get away with it oh, but for right. the most part. This was, I mean, this was released by Touchstone. This is a Disney movie. Uh, and yet it's a black and white thing about a guy who was a transvestite uh, and features a bunch of really weird, carny like characters. I mean, it is, this was just, Disney just saying, okay, Tim, you made us a lot of money, or you've made a lot of money, because obviously Batman was for Warner Brothers, but you've, right. you, you've made a lot of money for, for different studios. Here you go. Here's your relatively modest budget to make the movie you want to make. And, right. and that's, what, that's what makes me think this is his masterpiece, because to me this is, it's, I, I don't, again, I don't know about you, but like when I had first heard about the movie, I thought that it was going to be, I was worried that it was going to be, like a hack, a hatchet job, you know that it was going to be making fun of Ed because right. it was such a dismal failure. And I, of course, the thing that makes this movie work is that it's not. It, Tim Burton loves Ed Wood. I mean, this movie is so it it doesn't shy away from the f- showing that Ed is pretty talentless and doesn't let that stop well, him. Well, you don't he's think
2: not, he's talentless? I don't. I well, not not entirely. I don't think he learns his lessons. Right. But, you know, I mean, he doesn't. He never grows from any experiences, and but um, I think to me that the, most, the the connective tissue between uh, the Ed Wood movie and Tim Burton as Ed Wood is Tim Burton's worship clear and flagrant worship of Vincent Price. Yes, how it mirrors uh, Ed Wood's worship of Bela Lugosi in this. Right, movie. right. I think he sees a lot of himself. And yeah, I don't know if you have Dana Gould talked I don't want it to sound like I'm mirroring everything Dana Gould says, but he does he does uh talk about this in his podcast. I think this is a favorite movie of his and he had the writers on his on his podcast at one yeah, point. Yeah, the but, Dana Gould hour, yeah. The Dana thank you. Um which I think patterned itself after uh the Bob Dylan show, actually. <laughs> but anyway, um uh that it's an outsider from the studio system, who surrounds himself with his own sort of Avengers, his wacky <laughs> Avengers, if you will, <laughs> which is what Tim Burton has done his entire career. All his 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 like his entourage, if you will, of Johnny Depp, of Helena Bonham Carter, uh, of uh, Denise Danovi, Lisa Marie, his old girlfriend. It's it, it's all like they're, like they're kind of the weirdos, mm-hmm. and this movie is populated with. The Hollywood weirdos—people that just can't quite seem to get in. Now, while Burton got in, he's never like the straightest movie, and I mean that in quotes—that he's probably ever done is
1: what Big Fish. Uh, probably maybe that or Big Eyes. Those are both oh, like Big the, Eyes. That's right. You know, the but, most straight-ahead uh, stories of his. Right. Yeah. Actually,
2: you're right. So Big Eyes, also by this writing team.
1: Um, oh, that's right. That's right.
2: But um, I just. This is to me probably his most personal movie, and what and oddly enough the one he had the least amount of story
1: tinkering with. Right, I heard that that basically uh, because originally um, uh, that that he was going to make Mary Riley, right, uh, the the uh, the Jekyll and Hyde movie with uh, Mary Riley. with <laughs> with Julia Roberts. He was apparently circling that. And Michael Lehman, who had directed Heathers, was going to do this. Right. And then uh, Alexander and Karazowski wrote this script, and apparently it got its way to Edward. Edward was going to produce it, I think. I think Ed was going to use... Oh, excuse <laughs> me. Yeah, that would have been amazing. No, yeah. Tim Burton was going to produce it, and just you kind of godfather it, and that was going to get the movie through. And then apparently he read the script and so completely fell in love with it. And apparently c- called... One of them, Alexander Kaczuczuky, and said, "I want to shoot this." Which, right. if, if you don't know anything about how movies are made, that's virtually unheard of. You know, first right. pa- first screen first passes on screenplays generally do not get shot. Uh, right. And but he said, "No, this is literally the movie I want to make." And somehow he talked Lehman out of uh, doing it, and Lehman ends up with a producing credit. He he ended up not doing Mary Riley, of course, and did it himself. So yeah, I would argue this is by by. Being such an affectionate portrait of this guy, who okay, maybe I was unfair, maybe not talentless, but certainly a guy whose amb- whose ambition and enthusiasm overrode his common sense. Yes, uh, and, and I'm sure that Tim Burton or any creative person sees them sees themselves in that. You know, it sees themselves in this guy who just wants to be a movie director. So bad and for kind of all the right reasons, too. It's not because he wants to be famous or wants to, you know, like maybe use that power. He just loves movies and he wants to be part of it so badly that he the fact that he's not that great at it yet doesn't it doesn't let him stop him. And like right now we've been talking over this all this yeah. intro, but right now stock we're, the, footage. <laughs> we're all this great, this great stem of him in the, on the lot, looking at all the stock footage and saying, I can make a whole movie out of this stock footage. And then he, Ed concocts a story just from the <laughs> stock footage, which is great. I mean, I love, he immediately is like all these, uh, there's these mysterious explosions. No one knows what's happening, but the army is called in, but the nose what's cut, but it's upsetting all the Buffalo. Which is just fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think we've all done that as children. Yeah, what, I
2: think I think most people do that when they watch a trailer. They're always trying to piece together how yeah. these things are going to fit. Exactly. Oftentimes, exactly. it disappoints. Um, but no, his and oh, there's the, there's the the thin man.
1: Yeah, I love. You. Why I haven't love we done that anyway? Oh um, man, the, the period detail, the sets in these movies are just right. so gorgeous. Oh man. Yeah, the black and I, I, it's great that it's black. You know why it's black and white? Well, I think originally because they they did makeup tests uh, right. for Martin Landau's Bella Lugosi, and it occurred to all of them that there was no color footage that's of right. Bella Lugosi. So no one knows really what Bella looked like in color except for there's, like there's no photos of him in color and they decided the film works better in black and white. Which of course, that's one of those things that it when you hear that, you're like "It's a I happy accident. It's a happy accident because this movie just simply wouldn't work in color. I mean, to me, it's what makes it so utterly perfect is that it, it looks like a movie from the time. It's just it's beautiful to look at. I mean, it's just gorgeous. I think the, the cinematography is what I think. Is Stefan Zapsky, I believe. Is that yep. the cinematographer? Just yeah. it's a gorgeous looking movie. So right now we're looking at
2: uh, Rob Kelly's room. I think it's been rented the out. The giant
1: Citizen Kane poster. I did have that poster in my room. I will of say I did. did. I did have that one. Yeah, I love. That's another thing I loved about Ed in this was that, uh, and I don't know how much of that is from real life, is that Ed worships Orson Welles, and we see him laying in bed next to his girlfriend Dolores, played by Sarah Jessica, Jessica Parker, and he's talking about how Orson Welles got Citizen Kane made at 25, and you know he's already older than that. Is he? Is he a failure? And, uh, you yeah. know, that's – we all have had – That's how all, I feel my entire yeah, life. Exactly. We've all had Dark Nights of the Soul. like the, Okay, so here he is at Screen Classics talking to the great Mike Starr, uh, a character Classic. actor. Oh, man, this guy. It's George the, Weiss. Oh, this guy is so – good. like you just bring this guy in to be really funny. <laughs> and you give him this. Moment. He's so. I love the film cans piled up. He's about to make the Christine Jorgensen story. I love goddamn variety. Had to print the story. Forgot the right. Now that bit, <laughs> now that bitch is asking for the sky. I lo- Christine Jorgensen, of
2: course, uh, at the time the uh, one of the first
1: man, she
2: trans first American. I think right. I'd been done in, in Europe, but yeah, the first American who went to. Who isn't wanted it, to?
1: Isn't it kind of progressive of of him to refer to her as a woman because it's a woman now? Like it's kind of a, a lot of people now have trouble with that. But he, and fully...
2: shocking when this was even written, I'd say,
1: when you think yeah. about it. Yeah, yeah, He's very accepting of her. He calls her a bitch. I mean, it's not very nice. But he is referring to Christine yeah. Jorgensen as a woman, not a man. So here we go. Now he now Ed's about to pitch why he's so, so. I love the sandwich. It's all the crap is flowing out of the sandwich. Here we go. Ed's about to reveal why he <laughs> is. Johnny Johnny Depp's face facial contortions in this movie are – oh, my god. They're fantastic. Here, but he are, based. Did you hear or read about um, what his performance was sort of based off of? He said it was what? A combination of Ronald Reagan and the Tin Man and something and, else? And uh, 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 Casey Kasem. Casey K. I can see that.
2: <laughs> Mickey Rooney, and um, I've also heard off of, of uh, ventriloquist
1: dummies, which fits the way he his <laughs> his mouth movement. Sort of. I totally see that. I love. I even I the whispering. I even paratrooped wearing a brazier and panties. I wasn't scared of being killed, but I was terrified of being wounded and have the medic, medics discover my secret. Again, I love how much this guy accepts this. I mean, other than calling Eddie what are you a fruit, other than that, he pretty much just rolls with it, which is really interesting. I have to imagine that the real Ed was not this gregarious, was not this chipper and upbeat, well, but, uh, well, I mean, I don't know. I, if I, he was on I the heard. hooch,
2: maybe, which killed him.
1: Yeah, well, unfortunately. I mean, this movie does there's – a, there's a quote from uh, the actress Greer Garson uh, to bring an old-timey reference into this where she was asked about her view of movies and, and biopics, and she said she thought that a movie is supposed to reflect reality, but the mirror should be tilted up, not down. And this, I think this movie does that, is that it, it really does give you, it doesn't shy away from from the darker elements of Ed's life, but it, it tips it upwards. It makes everything just seem a little brighter, a little less seedy, a little more positive than probably what was really going on. Because, of course, it doesn't, as you just mentioned, it doesn't talk at all about Ed's alcoholism, which was the thing that eventually killed him at a relatively young age. And his days. wife's.
2: Yeah, his second wife also I think was oh was did you oh Wally's Kathy house.
1: Wood too oh that's that's unfortunate yeah, I think so. so. Uh, here so we go. Here we now go. The big intro. Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi. Uh, they, I mean, sometimes an actor gets a part and just crushes it so hard that he just it leaves debris in his wake, and this is one of them. And he very rightly earned the Best Supporting Actor Oscar. For this role. And, uh, fun fact, he was the first uh, – Martin Landau was the first actor ever to win an Oscar for playing another movie star. That had never happened oh. before. It's happened recognize... since, but not, oh. not before.
2: Do you recognize the casket salesman? He is from uh, – Wayne's oh, World she... as the announcer who he... freaks Wayne, Wayne and Garth out, Garth especially, when when, uh, when, when
1: they sell their show to the, to the studio. He's also in an episode of Cheers where he dates Carla – and we find out that he has a heart condition and that even sex could kill him. Uh, that's a, <laughs> it's a later season episode. We'll get to it. Ryan will get to it over on Cheers Kiss. But I love – man, the makeup on, on by Rick Baker, who also won an Oscar for his work on this movie. Uh, I mean he – should. He, I mean, boy, he looks he looks like a corpse. Uh, summer School's Rick like Baker? So I guess Summer School's Rick Baker. I love the, the line about uh, eleven cities in ten days. If that's conceivable, that's great. I'm like, shit. Where's my transfer?
2: This is how I picture you
1: and uh, and your buddy Alan. My bu- oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was me and Alan Brenner out in, out in California. <laughs> Absolutely. And Alan didn't curse uh, like that, but
2: that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, here we go. And now here's the grim reality. The grim reality of uh, of Bella's life. When's your next picture coming out? I have no next picture. Well, he had just done II? the
2: the um oh the the ape movie at this point in his life. Bella um, Lugosi
1: meets a Brooklyn gorilla. Yeah, yeah, that's right. He just has the great line: "No one gives two fucks for Bella," which is <laughs> that is. I I use that line in my life to this day. When when we're me and my buddy uh, Dan Colon, who was just on the show last week talking with me plug, over plug. Jaws, we we talk when we come up with something about where. Where we've been thwarted by something, we will use as no one gives two fucks for Bella's <laughs> the kind of our our life situation at that moment. So, so this uh, house today, four million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> Bella's sad little little track house that he's got here. Man, and here, here, here onto that they'd be millionaires. All right, and here he's talking about it, it's all giant bugs, giant spiders, giant grasshoppers. Who would believe such nonsense? Uh, uh, I love the I love the car is always smoking. The Ed's old beater of a car is always pin, knocking and pinging a full two minutes after he's gotten out of it. Uh, he borrowed
2: it from from Archie in Riverdale.
1: Yeah, exactly. The women that preferred the traditional monsters. <laughs>
2: now he was actually married at this point. I think in his life, he right? He was that they,
1: they leave that yeah. part out. That he was married. He was not lonely. He was not a. Lonely old man living in, in by himself, uh, but I mean, and you know, that's perfect time to bring this up uh, because this is not a documentary. This is a movie. This is a dramatic interpretation of Ed's life. Does it bother you if biopics get salient details wrong? Oh well, you're talking to the wrong man
2: because there is a travesty of a movie that came out last year called Bohemian Rhapsody, which is mm-hmm. nothing but wrong details. Okay, and it really rattled me because. I'm a giant Queen fan. Right. So it it to me, um, also it was like a lifetime movie. So maybe if it had been a good movie, I wouldn't have cared as much. Mm-hmm. But it's it's crappiness quickly um, exposed all its all its open scabs of 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 half truths.
1: Okay. So it fiction. does bother it does bother you that they don't get things exactly
2: right. But not in this case. Okay. Because I get so into the story because it's so much of. This is this movie is a dream anyway. You know what I mean. It opens up with with Jeffrey Jones as um, Criswell, yeah, as Criswell. So you immediately and you, there's like a, we were talking about that tracking shot, and then the, and then they go into this obviously fake cemetery
1: with the um, the headstones with the cast members' right. names on them and stuff. Yeah,
2: but they're but you know they're 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 cardboard cutouts, and then you have the stop motion uh, tentacle. So it's all fake right off the bat. So right. I don't quite. Nobody's presenting this as—at least, I don't think this is this is a hyper reality,
1: right? It's a Hollywood just, fable kind of thing,
2: right? So, I mean, because look at look at look at the way Depp's acting. I mean, he's acting. You know what I mean? There's yeah, Not a—he's yep. <laughs> the least subtle character in this movie. Right. Right. Almost to the point of distraction, I think sometimes. Um, so we have, but uh, but no, the, it, it it doesn't bother me when done well, like this or Nixon mm-hmm. or JFK. Um, I'm just going to keep naming Oliver stone bio. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, rocket man where it's clearly a fantasy, but okay. Bohem- Bohemian Rhapsody just, it's just too close to my heart.
1: Okay. I mean, uh, Alexander and Karazewski really kind of cornered the market on this cause they did the, the people versus Larry Flint and man on the moon. Uh, and you said, you mentioned big eyes. I mean, they've really, the know, uh, OJ trial series. They, they, yeah. I mean, they've really, Oh, here we go. And here they're watching. Bella on TV. I thought this is kind of a, f- a fun thing that the, the movie they're watching, which is um, White Zombie, they're looking at the actual Bella. That's, that, that's right. actually Bella. That's, that's, not, that's not, yeah, it's not Martin Landau as Bella in the movie. They're just showing you Bella, which I think is, is kind of gutsy. <laughs> He's wearing uh, his tuxedo. Great. It's so great. And, and there's then there's a, Lisa Marie as the, as Vampira there. There's a sad story. Yeah. Vampire. I mean,
2: not Lisa, Lisa yeah, Marie. Lisa yeah.
1: Marie went on to date the director for a while That's, yeah I'd she was in a, lot, a bunch it. of his movies she was in mars attacks and stuff like that i love that look at those jugs he's <laughs> <It's> just <laughs> sometimes he's just like an old man yeah i mean they do make some alterations as you mentioned bella is not married in this movie and but uh, they did try and keep it to a certain extent uh, true i mean the original apparently their their original notion was the film was going to end with ed doing Glenn or Glenda as sort of like, this is my most personal epic. And that was going to be the triumphant turn in the third act. And then they realized that's too much. That's just too big of a change to way, the way it really happened. So they rewrote it to where Glenn and Glenda is the beginning, not the you know – doesn't end with Plan 9 uh, the way it does here, which I'm, I'm glad at. I'm glad they didn't right. futz with the, story, with the history too much. But, right. yeah, it, you have to realize it's like, yeah, it's not a documentary. You shouldn't get your facts from any dramatic – movie uh because it's not a, it's not it's not aiming to be uh truthful but you're like they're trying to get to the heart of it and the idea is here was this hollywood outsider that desperately wanted to be on the inside couldn't get in through lack of talent lack of connections lack of ability and he managed to find someone who was also once on the inside and is now way on the out and some people of course you know didn't, don't like ed wood because they think that he you know, was using Bella, uh, kind of, you know, using this saddled man to, to further his own ends. But in this movie, it's, it it sort of posits that no, they had a mutual admiration society. Bella loved the attention. Ed loved Bella just because he was Bella and, and they both found something in each other and it wasn't exploitation. It wasn't parasitic. Uh, it was, it was, you know, it was charming. It was like a, a father and son kind of relationship. And I think that's very sweet. Now, when you and Alan Brennard are together, does he –
2: do you read the comics that he wrote with him? I, and does, I, he mouth, does he mouth the words as, I, I, as
1: you're reading them? Believe me, if I could get away with it, I would. Uh, here, I love <laughs> this. This is really charming where the kids show up to, oh, to yeah, Bella's house Halloween. for Halloween, and he's into it. I love he's really and, – and then the one kid is you aren't you scared, little boy? He's <laughs> like, no. And then here comes this really sort of terrifying reveal here. Again, Ed is relentlessly cheery. Uh, where he shows up, he's about to pop into the frame, and then he takes pops his teeth out. The kid runs away, and then I love battle, Bella. Hey, how'd you do that? And he says, oh, "I lost my Pearlies in the war." Just like the way he says, he's so upbeat about it. It's like, why wow, he lost his teeth in the war. That was probably pretty goddamn painful.
2: Japanese soldier, I believe.
1: Yeah, but he's just like you know, yeah, hey, lost my Pearlies in the war. Oh, I love this. Well, if there's one thing if you put it in a movie, what will be successful? Tits. <laughs> <laughs> This is a, a young, um, a, a young Andy
2: Sedaris. <laughs> and, uh, no, Those, so, so in terms of your your Ed Wood exposure, did you did you rent the movies knowing what you were going to see, yes. or is it, was this when you were just okay? Who turned you on to them? Cause it,
1: yeah, uh, who was the one? That's a good question. I don't remember. I mean, Plan Nine was always in the periphery. It's it's such a famous movie. I think I you know okay. You know what? Now I remember. I'm probably. Most likely, my first exposure to Ed Wood was through It Came From Hollywood, that 1982 movie with John Candy, Dan Aykroyd, Gilda Radner, and Cheech and Chong, where they make commentary over clips of quote unquote bad movies. And they have a whole section of that movie devoted to Ed Wood, where John Wayne, John Wayne excuse me, John, that would be amazing. John Candy talks about Ed Wood and gives us his history. And that, that was probably the first time I'd ever heard of him. Uh, and there's clips from Glenn or Glenda, and there's clips from, from Plan 9. And so when they the movies started showing up on VHS at the video store, I watched them. And, you know, Ed Wood is famous for being called the worst director of all time. And I know that the, those awful Medved brothers have made a lot of hay out of it. But I don't – I mean, I'd, I'd like to see if you agree with me. I mean, to me, I have seen a million movies worse than Plan 9 from Outer Space. Yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, Thor 1, Thor 2. <laughs>
1: Um, no,
2: listen, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but I directed a short film years and years ago. I did not know this. I'm learning this for the first time. Thousands of dollars. It's in IMDb. I don't want to brag. It was a finalist in a DVD short film. Oh my. Anyway, um, it was terrible. Okay. And shooting something is terrible. And anyone who ever makes anything where you have no money, everyone's working for virtually nothing and you have no permits and it's awful, we'll always tell you that it's amazing anything ever gets made, let alone that it's good. Any, the fact that you have anything that's good is a miracle, mm-hmm. especially if it's somebody's singular vision, because that vision has to be solid for one thing. So I, I, I made one short and I produced my, my, my best friend and I were, we were working together and we both flipped roles. So he would produce mine and I produced, produced his. We each wrote and directed our own thing. Um, And we both bit off way more than we could chew. And it is a task to to get anything done, anything. So the fact that this guy, just through strong will and maybe the most naive band of people that he can meet, produced hours and hours of movies, phenomenal. And they're not good, but they're not terrible. And they... Well, no, some of them are pretty terrible, but they never they're make never the card- boring, right? They're never and they boring. never, they never make the cardinal
1: pull the strings. They never make the cardinal sin of being uh, mediocre. Exactly, exactly. I have seen, like, to me, the films of Coleman Francis, you know, Red Zone Cuba and all that. His gonna movies, fight? to me, his <laughs> movies, to me, those movies are unadorable because they're nothing but footage shot, uh, you know, out in a valley somewhere, and later on, he just had somebody narrate you know, what's going on. Like me literally used Tor Johnson the way Ed Wood did. But to me, Coleman Francis is a much worse director than Ed Wood because Coleman Francis's movies are boring. I mean, they're, they're like 68 minutes and they feel like they're three hours long. Ed Wood's movies, while technically inept are, are, much like we you talked about in the beginning of this, they they exist in this, this weird Ed Wood universe, and you can tell almost instantly that you're watching an Ed Wood film because it has its own bizarre internal logic where things happen and where you know all of a sudden you've got the, again the stock footage that comes out of nowhere. It you do get the sense that there's a real auteur voice here. It's an inept one, but it's a voice as opposed to a lot of other guys who were just. Traffic cops, you know, and could right. could shoot basic footage, but couldn't make it interesting to save their lives. I mean, I've seen virtually Ed Wood movie, every Ed Wood movie that he ever made. I think I've seen Plan Nine, Glenn or Glenda. Um, uh, oh, shoot, Orgy of the Dead, uh, the the one about porn, Bride uh, of the Monster. Oh, Bride of the Monster, which they talk about. I mean, Jailbait, the, Jailbait, the Sinister Urge. I mean, they're all really <laughs> that's a great title the, yeah sinister. the sinister urge is fantastic uh, that's my
2: that's my uh family motto
1: yeah i mean so uh i mean you know it's again he's not he's not good at what he does but it's it's singular and that right. to me that matters that's important um the scene that we just that just went by where he's talking to bella and he's writing the script and he's clearly writing the script for Glenn or Glenda, and he's getting Ed to be in the, getting Bella to be in the movie. And Bella has no idea what he's talking about. And Bella says, "Uh, like uh, like uh, he's like you kind of control all the characters." And Bella says, "So I'm like the puppet master." And Ed goes, "I like that." And you yeah. know that that's completely inappropriate to the story he's telling. But Ed is so in love with having Bella in his movie that he's willing to make like a hard left turn in his movie just to work Bella into it. To pull the strings, pull the strings, pull. And that, I never tire of that of that speech. Mm-hmm. And we, Sorry, we What were you saying? Uh, well, we saw B- Bill Murray there, yeah, uh, as Bunny Breckenridge, uh, who, of course, uh, opens up—not uh, opens up, but he's uh, he's in um, Plan Nine. And uh, this is, I think, the only time Bill Murray was in a Tim Burton movie. I, I, usually, he kind of uses the same actors over and over again. But this is the only time I can think of Bill so, Murray being in a, a Burton movie.
2: Closest to Bill Murray got to being
1: Batman. There you go. And now, oh, I have to mention—I have to mention uh, Norman Alden there on the left-hand side as as Bill, the colorblind cameraman. Uh, I was fortunate. <laughs> I love, which is great by itself, a colorblind cameraman. But I was fortunate enough to I- interview Mister Alden for the Aquaman Shrine, uh, and I kept communicating with him up until he passed away a couple of years ago. And that was a a real honor to be able to talk why, to him. And I, I did. I did talk to him about Ed Wood too when I when I what? had a chance to interview him. I'm sorry, I don't I don't know his connection to, to Aquaman. He was the voice of Aquaman on the Super Friends. For real? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. He was. He there were two Aquaman's Max on Kinsella. Super Friends from the yeah. beginning. In the mid, he was the first one. There was a second one. Uh, uh Paul uh, d- uh Paul Messick I believe later on who was Aquaman in Challenge of the Super Friends in the later seasons but the original 72 73 74 seasons was was Norman Alden he was Aquaman So I feel like we, we
2: oh we totally skipped over um Sarah Jessica Parker <laughs>
1: as as a, she finds out that he is a transvestite yes No but just as as her role yes oh yes so um, Dolores his, wife, his Dolores Fuller. wife Dolores Fuller yeah who
2: went on to uh, become a, a songwriter for for one uh, Elvis, Elvis Presley?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's she's the voice of reason in this. She's the one saying, oh "My God, you know, like Ed, what is that?" I mean, she's horrified that he, that he's a transvestite, but she goes along with it. Um, you mentioned Max Casella uh, there as a as Con- I think he's playing Connie. Which Duke. one of the two? Yeah. Yeah. No, from, he's playing uh, Paul Marco. Max Cassell is playing Paul Marco, and Brent Hinkley is playing Conrad Brooks. Uh, Ed's, right, Ed's two kind of right hand men in there. I love, I love that that, that Ed has a, uh, a bullhorn, and the only, even though he doesn't need it because the people he's talking to are all three feet around it, but he clearly that's what directors use are bullhorns. Right, he's going to have a bullhorn. Damn it! That's how we were in film school. You know,
2: we all told each other to, like to f off, and we acted like. What we read, how directors acted in Premiere magazine, or movie line, because because we don't really know until
1: right. you bit on a set. Did you guys wear Jodpers or whatever, anything like that?
2: Uh, some guys had lenses around their neck. M mm. Wow.
1: Really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. What an entrance!
2: What an entrance!
1: Here, here we go. Where's my money? I and love that's this. Rob Kelly. Yeah, it, it truly is. I, I love. I like. I love the look from all these guys. They they are not in love with Bella. They're like they kind of shaking their heads at Ed a little that Ed is worshiping Bella so profoundly, but and they and look look at the studio, look how crummy this looks. You know, it's just it's all stuff, mattresses hanging off of things. Oh, here's now here's a pretty grim moment. Here's the makeup guy uh, giving giving Bella, and then we see the the track marks on Bella's arm, and the guy just kind of gives Bella a nod and and goes right past it. That's a you know. I mean for as sunny as this movie is, it's willing to show you that that Bella was uh, a drug addict in his in his old in his later years, and uh that 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 shot there of him with all the track marks is pretty pretty grim on oh, that here we go this is a great here's Conrad Brooks asking Bella for his autograph, and they see how happy Bella is so happy to sign it and then he then he just goes one step too far. you know which movie of yours I love, Mr. Gosey, The Invisible Ray. You were great as Karloff's sidekick. Here we go, and there's the pause. Karloff, sidekick. <laughs> here, it goes, and then fuck you. <laughs> this is this is how
2: I picture you and and your your normal co-host shag. <laughs> Who's well? Who is who in this scenario? Well, I could I'm gonna guess that you're you're uh, you're Legosi. <laughs>
1: wow. Yeah. All right, you have an interesting view of me, but okay. I love I've this. I've met He's... you,
2: and I've seen the rivalry, and I don't like it.
1: All right. Okay. It's I love that. I love. The, I love how Bella puts down Frankenstein. There's no acting. It's all makeup. <laughs> it's all in the- grunting. <laughs> I love that. That's great. It's true, though. It's a I little know. like. Did you
2: ever see Philadelphia?
1: Yes. Yes.
2: So makeup does the job. Not you, Tom Hanks.
1: Oh. Ooh, wow. Heard it here it is. You're a little irritated. Bullshit. I'm ready now. Roll the camera. He's ready to go. And I, I love that. That the that, that Mike's like Orson Welles. <laughs> he's a voice. voice. I mean, look at it. This is a tri- this is a movie about about uh, being uh, you know dressing up in women's clothes. And look at this. Like, why is Bella in this movie? Why is there a skull on the shelf? Why is there an axe? I mean, this is completely inappropriate <laughs> for the type of movie he's shooting. But Ed just doesn't care. Or is it? <laughs> well, or is it? You know, Thriller had Vincent
2: Price. Didn't it need it. No, but damn it, if it didn't sell it. It's, I guess so.
1: I guess so. But yeah, hey, be there. I mean, hey, Bella has yeah. no idea what movie he's in. None. And then here, Bella is about to improvise, and of course, Ed just rolls with it. Ed just accepts it because. <laughs> I mean, he literally says, "Wait on the pull yeah. Dustin, I love the music too by Howard Shore. This is this. The music in this movie in this film is beautiful. This is the only movie soundtrack I've ever bought. Is really? This, I thought it was, was a little
2: Elfman light.
1: Really, I don't. I mean, I can I can hear it, but I I find the themes of it are so just beautiful and resonant, and yeah, they're great. I, I I'm really not saying
2: that's a song. bad thing because I'm not an elephant fan by any stretch. Okay. I, his tells are very. I'm sorry, not his tells, but his um his ticks mm-hmm. wear on me very quickly. Like the la
1: la 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 right,
2: the, right, right. The I don't know the musical syncopation would, it. Uh, I guess the beats that he continually reuses and times everything too it gets to me except for you know the most perfect song you ever wrote was the flash theme song but of course that's yeah
1: so sarah yeah, jessica like
2: parker yeah. who at this point had done this is one of, of what i guess two or three movies that she did with with burton she's in mars attacks and oh that's right that's right she I, is, think
1: that's yeah. I think that's
2: it this is also
1: burton's first flop yeah, this movie did not make a dime. Uh, this movie just flat and it, it's it, it it is a movie. The reason partly that David and I are here to talk about it is because it's a movie that real diehard movie fans love, and then no one else even knows about. Uh, there's that uh, there's the the movies that made us podcast, which is hosted by Joe Dante um, and Josh Olson, and they have you know v- various directors and writers and producers and other people from Hollywood from the you know, history of Hollywood. Talking about the movies that 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 they really love. Every episode, it's becoming a running joke actually that on every episode of that show, someone mentions Ed Wood. That that's how much this movie is beloved to people who love movies, and uh, it just it just has no appeal, I think, outside of uh, to people who don't know the movies. I mean, this scene right here, this is a pitch perfect recreation of the final scene of Glen or Glenda. I mean, it is exactly uh, that scene, and it's lovingly crafted. And I just think. You know, I think the people who maybe haven't seen Glenn or Glenda, they just don't – it doesn't have the same heft. You know, they're just kind of like, all right, this is just weird. But if you know all this stuff, you're just amazed that this is being recreated, uh, you know, by a major studio featuring big movie stars. I mean, and all props to Johnny Depp. Uh, I mean, Johnny Depp now I think has just completely decided to just cash in and whatever. But at the time, he was a big, big movie star, and he was willing to do these weirdo parts – uh, yeah, like, well, like Gilbert,
2: Grave, Dead Man. Yeah, he, I
1: mean, he really was. He made. He got movies made just by being around. And
2: yep. Things that would never see the light of day
1: otherwise. Yeah. I love the this this I love this scene so so much where Ed is uh, at uh, I don't forget what studio is, he's at. Is it kind of an interview? <laughs> but he's I mean he's at a major studio and he's pitching his uh, you know he's pitching his wares. I love. He says, "You get a full crack at my talents." Like, Thank you. Okay, <laughs> this guy is very like. All right, and uh, I love that he's got this whole this whole slate of pictures. Uh, this, by the way, this is, um, this is yeah. Charlie Band. How Charlie Band works. <laughs> the the ghoul goes west. I love that. <laughs> I love that is, and his hands move to the side. The ghoul goes west.
2: I'm Not even sure it went to the right direction in the right direction. Yeah. But by my way, favorite
1: they, title coming up. Which one? Dr. Acula? Yeah. Dr. <laughs> Dracula. Oh, I see. I don't like G-R-Acula. it. Dr. Acula. That's almost as good as NamTab. It is almost as good. And I get the same reaction from people. I don't like it. Prince Namtab. Stanley, this is actor is Stanley DeSantis, by the way, playing Mr. Feldman. Uh, you probably know him. He's a guy, he's a guy who's been in a lot of great movies. You probably know him from, uh, Boogie Nights. He's in, he's the guy that runs the, uh, the, the, the stereo store that, uh, Don Cheeto works at. He's the one who talks about, you know, uh, I thought hiring you would bring some good pussy into the store and it has, that's the same guy. So, uh,
2: well, you know, Hollywood motion picture filmmaking and porn industry have a lot of pride
1: of the atom atomic age stuff huh? i like it i love that he's managed to practically almost sell a movie i love it i'll tell you what mr ward he doesn't even get his name right mr <laughs> ward oh i love the okay i always love the two guys
2: in this the um they're watching the, other the film studi- in the screen room yeah the other studio heads because yeah. they look they always look to the boss yep yep for how they react what the i've heck been watching this? veep this is very similar is it okay now you know um, what? What you never saw the room, right?
1: No, I've never seen the room.
2: God, why haven't you seen the room?
1: I I don't know. I just I just haven't gotten around to it. Okay, but all right. Well, the room
2: and the disaster artist I think make make a great companion piece to to this movie and any. And of course, I think you have to watch the three Ed Wood movies that are featured in this movie: Glenn orinda, right? right. Um, Plan Nine. Um, because it's, it's a sanitized version of, in this case, two people who make a movie through, through sheer force of will in some cases, mm-hmm. which is very much what Ed Wood does. Right. The, and, you know, the writers were talking about writing biopics. And um, they, what they talked about was they never wanted to do the classic birth, hardship, death story. They always mm-hmm. just wanted to tell a story, what happened in this person's life. Mm-hmm. So if you look at this, if you look at *Man in the Moon*, you look at um, uh, *Big Eyes*. It's always moments of their lives, but there's no real central story except for the life story, if that makes sense. What do you mean? Um, this
1: isn't Edward's life. This is Edward's life as a filmmaker. Right. Okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's focusing on a very specific part of his life for just a couple of years. It's not, right. Right. We're not, we're not seeing young Ed Wood as a boy and we don't see him as an older man that passes away or whatever.
2: Right. Poor Bunny. He never, he never,
1: uh, he never got that sex change. I love the guys in the front row at this wrestling match because they're overhearing Bunny talking. Uh, I mean, Bunny sticks, you know, in the white suit. And then look the two guys are looking at each other because they're over here and will those girls kick in, I'm gonna take and make me a woman. And the one guy <laughs> looks at the other guy like, What? And then yeah, are you serious? And then and then he's he's gonna say in a minute, uh, I realize I have to take action. Here he goes. Goodbye, penis. And the two guys look at each other like, What?
2: So here we go. This is where my life comes in. Hello, Mike Gillis. Your love of George the Animal
1: Steel. Wow is Tor Johnson. Playing Tor Johnson perfectly. One of the greatest
2: names. wrestlers. Did did you watch do you remember when he was in love with Miss Elizabeth?
1: I do remember that. I watched wrestling when he was a a figure in it. So yeah, I remember this. the
2: WWF days. Yeah. Before yeah. the I yeah. think oh, he has one hairy beast, isn't he?
1: That is a that is a hairy back. That is a very, very hairy back. No doubt the, about
2: it. He's wearing a t shirt of hair.
1: Yes. I love I love Bunny in his white suit eating the hot dog I mean it's by the way of course when he says goodbye penis is when exactly he bites down on the hot dog by the way
2: <laughs> I I he the was look... he was a brave guy back then you know yeah he kind of
1: openly but... gay yeah I, the looks Dolores gives gives him are priceless because she's just like just repulsed uh, this she is how puts, I
2: picture she, she, she every girl pic...
1: <laughs> she's eating goddamn chicken. I love. He's eating a whole chicken. This is great. What do you? What'd you say? This is a I mean, I, I think I I'm guessing her, what joke is coming here. But go ahead. I
2: picture her. Every time uh, you're probably around your friends with whomever you're dating, that's how I picture her reacting.
1: Wow! Look at that. Whomever I'm dating. Interesting. Okay. Tor. What? Uh, I don't want.
2: Mr. I don't name people. I, you okay. never know.
1: All right. Uh, people tour, might look uh, this up one day. Mr. Johnson. I love that. I, I happen to think you're quite handsome. I you love that. I oh. towards he's like movies like the Mickey Mouse sure <laughs> <laughs> I love this guy. This 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 is something else that the movie gets wrong is that they're making it sound like Ed brought Tor into movies, which was not true. Tor Johnson had been in movies before this, right? Uh, it was at he you know he was in Ed's movies near the end of his career, and then he later on again did the aforementioned Coleman Francis and stuff. But he had been in like a, he was in like a John Wayne movie I think in the forties. So he had, right yeah.
2: This is uh, what the screenwriters would refer to as, as him pulling together his dream team.
1: Right. Look at this. Look at the, the, the slats. The light coming in through the blinds. Yeah. I mean, my God. What this a, house I mean, six
2: million dollars.
1: Yeah. They oof, look at that, and and now we're seeing. You know, Bella is calling Ed in the middle of the night because he's depressed and he's probably a little strung out. And you know, now we're they're turning the screws on on Ed. Because it's, it's – Ed is just so desperate to get his buddy a job and pay him and just keep – stave off, you know, this sort of sad life that, you know, he's putting pressure on himself now. I mean he wants to get a movie made, but he also wants to help his friend and you're feeling really bad for – and, and the way this movie is able to kind of turn things where you actually are start rooting for Ed – to, to succeed, even though you know that his movies are terrible. I mean, the, the scene where the studio guys are watching Glenn or Glenda and they're laughing at it—they have every right to laugh at it because it's a terrible movie. I mean, it's right. you know, it's a, it's a joke of a movie, but yet you want Ed to you want Ed to succeed because you like Ed, and he's doing this for again for all the right reasons. He's doing this to help his old pal Bella, and that's very sweet.
2: I think that's how everybody feels when they meet their heroes.
1: Yeah. Well well if, if you're I would imagine if you met your hero and they were in this dissolute shape, that would be pretty upsetting. Uh but uh, It was when I met you. Oh <laughs> at the diner. No, Morphine I, with the, the Demerlal Demerlo- Chaser. <laughs> oh Eddie. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh this and this this is really upsetting. <laughs> the way he put Eddie, I'm so broke. I don't know what I'm going to do. I think that's just It's awful. It's just awful because you just have such sympathy for this guy. And I mean, for those of you out there listening to this who don't know kind of Bella's story, you know, it was that he did Dracula and it was a huge success. And then, you know, he got offered Frankenstein and he did turn it down. And they offered it, of course, to Karloff and it made Karloff a megastar. And Bella's style of acting kind of grew a little out of favor very quickly. He didn't and the know, accent and the accent right he didn't know English very well, and so he basically got typecast to the point where, as we mentioned in nineteen just nineteen fifty two just barely twenty years later uh he's starring in Bella Lugosi meets a brooklyn gorilla uh, and and if you've ever seen that movie, which oh, features – so good oh my god i mean on the on the commentary track for this movie for Ed Wood, there is a commentary track. Uh, by the stars, Martin Landau talks about Bela Lugosi meets a broken gorilla. And he says that makes plan nine look like citizen Kane. And it's right. I mean, Ed, Ed's or Ed movies are way better than Bella Lugosi meets a Brooklyn gorilla. That's movie. Well, well right. unwatchable.
2: Well, cause the conceit of that is that's a
1: knockoff of, of, um, of, uh, of, uh, Martin and Lewis, right? You have the Martin and Lewis impersonators. I mean, that that's, I mean Bella I mean it, the sad thing is that the the indignities that Bella suffers uh via Ed Wood were were not the lowest he would sink I mean unfortunately I mean the Bella Lugosi Book and Gorilla is just the title alone you're just like oh my god this is so sad and so here this is this moment where Bella's got a live TV gig this is apparently based on a thing that happened on the Milton Berle show where Bella who didn't know English all that well uh, had to learn his lines, lock, stock, and barrel, because he couldn't improvise because because of his right. the language barrier. And what happens here is this host decides to improvise, and it throws Bella off. And of course, it makes Bella look like an idiot. But it's not really fair because Bella knew his lines. It's the other guy that's really being going right. off. So some
2: actors can't do it.
1: Yeah, and here's here's Jeffrey Jones as Criswell, and Ed Ugh. immediately falls in love with him. Yeah, unfortunately, Jeffrey Jones, a t- very talented actor, who appeared, of course, in a great many Tim Burton movies, but uh, is, he still gets is, work. He does he really? Way? Yeah, he was into. De- oh, really? Wow. Well, he's kind of disgraced himself due to some unfortunate run-ins with the law uh, involving uh, material that he shouldn't uh, be having. Uh, let's just put it that way. Uh, so- here we go. Bella takes in the. I Do you want me to
2: yeah. tell you my Jeffrey Jones story now?
1: Yeah, tell, tell, tell your Jeffrey jo- – well, okay, hold on one second. Let, just as related to I this – I keep my this, pants on. This, thank goodness. Um, this this moment here where, where the guy, the comedian, is just riffing and poor Bella just has nowhere – and even – you're right. We see Ed, and Ed knows. Ed's looking at his script, and poor Bella's just lost. So on the commentary track, on the, the, the actual one – uh, Alexander and Kazuski, Karazuski tell this great story where um, Bella was hired to go on the radio to promote some movie that he was in. Uh, I forget which one. And he, because he didn't really know the language, he was asked uh, to get. He asked for the questions ahead of time, and then he would learn the answers. And then he would just be able to say, you know, okay, wait till the guy's done talking, and then I can answer. And he learned the he learned the answers in the order that he was given them. Then he goes on the radio, and the guy changes the orders of the questions. So oh, it, no. Yeah. So, we, apparently, one point, live on the air, the guy says something to Bella about, like, so, Bella, you must be excited being in this new movie. And there's this pause, and Bella goes, Thursday! And, you know, he just they said it, it's a, it's a hilarious story, but you feel bad because it's like, again, the poor guy, it wasn't his fault, you know? He He was doing the best he could, but the language barrier really, really hurt him, so... That's, that's what they're getting at in this is that poor Bella, you know, it's not because he's a failure or he's incapable of doing the job. It's just he's just out of step with what's going on in, in Hollywood at this point. So I'm sorry. So what's your, what's your Jeffrey Jones story? I was uh, – was, it was
2: when I was working at King of the Hill. So it's about 98, 99. And um, I'm, I'm covering the reception desk and I'm on the phone to my loan officer because I had student loans. And my loans had just been sold from one bank to another bank. And that was very disconcerting to me because I didn't – oh, this is great. you're trying to make him say, I don't drink wine.
1: I, I never drink, drink wine. wine.
2: Oh, that's so sad, isn't it? They like yeah. dance for me, monkey. Anyway, um, Jeffrey Jones was reading for something for King of the Hill or Family Guy because we shared offices with them for a while. Or maybe it was – yeah, I think it was one of those two shows. And um, he hears me on the phone with the loan officer, and I said, "Okay, so now my payments are how much? And what do I do?" And the guy says, "Well, because you're a PA, the loan officer says this because you're a PA and you're only making twenty-five or 30, it was a crap amount, like thirty grand a year or something, and you have six roommates, and da, da 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 da. You can declare poverty and not have to pay the loans for another two years." Brown Derby, this was a chain of restaurants that is no longer around, sadly. Right, right. Uh, um. Uh, you can declare poverty and not have to pay the loan back for another year. And I said, okay, that's cool. And then Jeffrey Jones leaps up from the couch and says, "Get his name. You get his name. You get his first name and his last name, and you write it down. And you refer to this conversation, date and time, if you ever have, if if somebody challenges you on what this person said. Wow. I'm like I'm like, okay, getting financial advice from from Jeffrey Jones, and then you hear about. His uh, what he was Predilection for, for like, reading material, yeah, right. And you think, well, I guess he would know a lot about students, right? right. Oh, and maybe oh, their loan problems. Oh,
1: oh, oh boy, yeah.
2: So that's my Jeffrey Jones story.
1: All right, okay. <laughs> was he a nice guy outside of that context? I I don't know.
2: I guess I thanked him for his help, and um, that was as far as it got. Okay, all right. So. I told you, we I, I warned you beforehand. It wasn't
1: really much of a story. That's okay. Hey, no, it's great. It's it's cool that you had an interaction with them. Yeah. yeah Satisfied. Yeah. They have the so backing it's... party, which doesn't go anywhere. Uh, there is that moment we we that went by where uh, Ed is like a child, and he's talking to Criswell about you know how did you know we're going to be living on the moon by 1989? And Criswell's like, I didn't. It's horse shit. It's all made up. Of, <laughs> and you see how crestfallen. It right. looks uh, that he's finding out that you know so much of it is fake, and that that's probably the movie's invention. Ed okay. couldn't have been that naive to think that you know Criswell was real or whatever, because that's very childlike. But it's right. nice; it's nice in the in the context. I love him bouncing up and down to the music. It's very sweet. Here he's meeting Juliet Landau, which is Martin Landau's daughter. I love no water, no liquids. She's allergic. terribly allergic to them. <laughs> Juliet Landau
2: went on to play Romana Three, or Trey, as she's known in the uh, Gallifrey series of audiobooks.
1: Wow. Okay. Oh, really? All right. And she was on um, the Buffy. 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 Yes. It's Drusilla. Drusilla. Yeah. I like lo- I like that the brief flash of oh, this woman's nuts that goes over Ed's face when she says, "I'm terribly allergic to all liquids." <laughs> uh, and then, but then, he, but, he, but then, when she mentions that she has money, he's willing to go along with it. Okay, you know. And it's then, just
2: great that somebody with such a weird allergy would, would fit perfectly into his band of...
1: Yes. Of he gives, outsiders. He gives her the script. He's always got a script with him. This is very interesting. I love say, do you think it would be possible for me to play one of these parts? Like, it's just... He's just, oh, shoot. oh, Well, you want to be an actress too? Well, of course. And here he's trying to... Now he's he's... Here he's being... You know, he's trying his best... The secretary, you could you could be the secretary, the file clerk. Those sound small. Those, those sound kind of small, yeah. <laughs> uh, now here, yeah, she's about to snake there. The look, he's about to snake the part away from his wife Dolores, and Ed's gonna do it because she sounds sale. like this. It sounds he's like paying. this woman has fifty thousand uh, dollars, which is you know a lot of money in nineteen fifty four three or whatever. So, it would be the first time someone bought a roll. You know what no, I mean? No, no, there you go. Yes, and then he agrees to it. Oh, God. And now, so, of course. Yeah. There you go. He's got to get it. this. is great. I love how big this this house looks in this shot. I love she's throwing you two-timing dress-wearing son of a bitch. That's great. I love his hair flopping like that. He looks like Shimp. Oh, God. <laughs> I would, yeah. is, look how bad. I love it. She's just oh, throwing man. shit at him.
2: That's when you could hit people with a pan and it was Here fine we go. Back this back is then.
1: a great – this is one of the great psych gags in, all, in any movie – it's for my girlfriend Dolores and she she stomps the ground with her foot. I love this. Like what? She's so mad. Here we go. And then he runs away and then and this is such a great and then clonk right on the back of the head with a <laughs> metal frying pan would probably kill it. And then the next shot he's got the the cold compress on his head, which is a great little detail. I love that.
2: Look at this coil.
1: Oh, God. This set is great. It looks like a Colorforms background.
2: You know what? But this is like every studio production – every student production we had.
1: Yeah. Uh, Oh, here we go. Eddie, which dress do you like better? And then here we're about to find out that Bill the cameraman, (laughs) the red one or the green one, which one's which? What do you mean? I can't see the difference. I'm colorblind. I mean – well, would it, it have made a difference for a great. long time would it, would it matter that you were colorblind if you shot all black and white movies really no I mean, would it, it wouldn't matter if you were deaf and you were shooting black and white movies yeah. early enough yeah, here we go now, Ed could knock off twenty thirty sit ups in a day. It's incredible, and Bell is just nice, he's just talking a to
2: tour you know ed would have Ed would have made a great t v director because he just gets it done.
1: Yes. That's another thing. That's another thing to think about that. Ed, Ed was just a little out of his time, you know, I mean, and a lot of these, a lot of his contemporaries, William one shot Bodine, you know, one of these, like that guy went from these kinds of movies to television. And then you look at his, you, you look at his, uh, filmography and you see, there's like, you know, 57 episodes of wagon train and 63 right. episodes of Texaco star theater. And you're like, well, yeah, that's so if Ed had maybe decided to, Scale down, scale back a little, and do television work. He might have been okay because he just would have been, you know, just grinded out. Guys, we got to shoot an entire TV show in two days. Yeah, they wouldn't have cared as long as they had something to air. Yeah, as long know, as it was one. in focus. Right here we go. I love this. This is oh, here we go. <laughs> Tours the about the, thing in this movie. Tours about to go through <laughs> the door, and then he can't quite bangs into the scenery, gets through it, and I love every shot is perfect. Cut perfect. The you know, who's on the play knows this pain. Looks like Big Baldy had a little trouble getting through the door. No, it's fine, it's real. In actuality, <laughs> Lobo would have to struggle with that problem every day. Now, in in your eyes, is Ed bullshitting or does he really believe that?
2: Uh you know, I never really could figure out Ed would in this movie. Okay. If it's if he's just a really great, like, middle manager who's just trying to keep everybody happy. And so he puts on the facade of being happy, so it's hoping that it's infectious, or if he's genuinely into it, right? And I think it goes between the two. I think he realizes that being a director doesn't mean just directing the movie, but it's managing people and personalities right, the and the lying. Right? Sure. Right. Sure. Um, but I, I will tell you this: I did see uh, a Rift Tracks doing Plan Nine from Outer Space once. Okay. And it's one of the few movies where I've – one of the few times I ever walked out of a movie. Wow. I thought it was like fish in a barrel. Right. And it's too – it was really just punching down for the sake of punching down. And normally – Right. I don't know why. I just lost a lot of – I don't want to say respect, but any appeal that that had to me before for some reason when I saw them doing Plan 9, I just lost all of it. Cause it just, it just felt too easy. Like if you made fun of the room, well, no shit. You know yeah. what I mean? Right. How hard is that? Making fun of episode one, is that really that hard? You know, it, it, it's, it's kind of, to me, it was kind of the same thing. And I never I actually walked out. My, 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 I don't think we were married. My then girlfriend or fiance at the time. I left her in the theater and said, I'll be back in half an hour when the movie's over.
1: Did you really? Yeah. And she stuck around. Yeah, she.
2: What do wow. you mean, with me or in the movie? Well, either one. Yes and yes. Okay. Wow. Amazing. And You know that girl. I, I married that girl. No. I I understand. <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 I, just, I mean, I, I think post this movie, it's hard to just crap on Ed Wood because you just uh, again maybe it may, that may not be fair because the real Ed wasn't probably like this, but I don't know. I think anybody can appreciate the the ambition. Uh, you know th- they're trying. I mean, especially now where so mu- there's so much entertainment out there, and you can just uh, you know be a be a, a, a jerk who can just record anything into a microphone and put it out for people yep. to listen to. Um, make fun so of things. Make fun of things. But uh, you know, but yeah, I think I, again, it's it's. I mean, I love Mystery Science Theater. I I will admit I haven't enjoyed much riff tracks because I think there is a. A meaner quality to it but i enjoyed mst and i enjoyed the msts on ed wood movies i mean they did an m oh, by the way this is conrad brooks uh the guy the older man here on the left hand side of the screen he was that's, actually in one he of his actually days. in plan nine from outer space he's one he was one of ed wood's uh people so that's the real guy there and uh, imagine and in fact he's he's standing next to the guy playing conrad brooks uh, so right there in the middle, right next to Juliet Lando is the guy playing Conrad Brooks. And then there's the real Conrad Brooks. Hold on, Lisa Marie. Oh, and here's the, the screenwriters, Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski are in the shot. There's the one guy we will see him there in the white suit. I believe that is Scott Alexander, uh, right there in the white tuxedo. So that's his cameo in this film. I love that. Yeah, then, the, then the other one is in the background. Too I
2: think. recent.
1: Yeah. then there's Larry Karaszewski, I believe is the one in the background smoking. I love. She's like I don't need to blow some dentist from Oxnard. I've got real offers.
2: (laughs) She kind of had a bigger sense of who she was. I think this is, of course, Vampira. Who right, right? um, Her real name. uh, I'm blanking on. Do you remember her real name?
1: Uh, Like Luana Nuri or something like that. Uh, She's she became friends with Dana Gould. We mentioned earlier. uh, uh,
2: Myla Elizabeth Siri and I can't pronounce it because it's Finnish.
1: All right, I I, but, I inverted the uh, the symbols there, but the uh, yeah. beginnings there. But yeah, yeah, she she later on, as they'll mention, sued El, Elvira for stealing her act, which did not uh, go anywhere. So, but she yeah, stayed in Hollywood. She, she stayed in Hollywood up until her death.
2: She was friends with James Dean. She had a different. She had different businesses.
1: This is uh, Ron, Howard, Howard's Ron Howard's dad? Ron Howard's dad, Rance Howard. Yeah, I love this. That's quite a story. Yes. So you made does look movie? like It Does yeah, and now you're going to make it again? No, we <laughs> made part of the movie, and then we're trying to we're trying to look. I love. We shot ten minutes, and now we're looking for completion funds. That's yeah, really. You, that, that, I'd say if you've only done ten percent of your project, you're you're not anywhere near completion funds. I think you're you really just need to just make the movie at that point. I think that's how Bottle Rocket got funded. Oh God, the guy he spits. Wes Anderson's spits movie. Is that for real?
2: I think so, but wow. i I got I'm probably lying when I say this, but I think Wes Anderson was Polly Platt's nephew or something like that too really so, oh, so that kind of helped Oh yeah,
1: I didn't know that and uh, now here Ed's making yet another compromise where this guy wants the movie to end with a big explosion. He has no okay. justification for demanding such a thing. But uh, if he's going to fund the movie, he wants the movie to – here he goes. Here's his son. He describes gonna his make son as a little, a little slow, slow but a good boy. I would think my dad's probably lead, said man. that a couple of times. Yeah.
2: It?
1: John does – Mr. Kelly does say that about you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, David. And then Ed goes along with it. Sound perfect. Oh, man.
2: So Max Casella, of course, from Doogie Hauser. which I Houser. guess had ended around this time or a couple of years before. And then – I don't really know what else he's done. I feel like he's shown up here and there, but
1: Max Casella, you mean? Yeah. Uh yeah, this is I I used to watch Doogie Hauser and I was impressed that like I was like, wow, he's in you know what? He's in other he's got eighty seven credits at yeah. this point. Uh he's in the Marvel's Mrs. Maisel. He's in Ray Donovan. He was in he was on the show Vinyl. Oh, uh, that's right.
2: Oh. He was in oh.
1: Inside Llewellyn Davis. He's in the movie uh, uh Blue Jasmine with Woody Allen. So he's doing quite well for himself, Max Casella. Good for him. Doog. Here we go. And then this is their one moment oh, I love together. This scene. Where yeah. yeah, I've heard so much. And they clearly they don't like each other. Or Dolores doesn't like Loretta because Loretta is stealing. There you go. You still need some more work.
2: This so. is like you and Shag when you prep for a
1: I I love and it comes into the background and has to has to de escalate the situation. This is great. Why don't we talk about the scene? By the way, this this act, this is Loretta King. That's the real act. That was the name of the actress. Right. Uh, they're, they're not changing it. Uh, she was only in a couple other movies after uh, Bride of the Monster. She was in a movie called Tough in the 70s, and then another movie called Deliver Us from Evil in 1975. She lived to be 90 years old. She was around until 2007, so uh, I don't know what she did in between, like, the 10 years between movies, but uh, she obviously had some other career going on because she only has about four credits, but... And then here this scene is, again, another perfect recreation from Bride of the Monster, which is this weirdo kind of roundabout dialogue that Ed wrote where people talk in a way no one talks. Uh, you know, it, it, it has some weird rhythm all its own, but it, it's completely unreal. You've yeah, got the David whole town Mamet a... based a lot of his writing on the way Ed <laughs> You've got the whole town in a panic. I can't hear you. I can't hear I can't you. Hear you. <laughs> What? I know what you said, but I can't hear you. And you're just like, okay. I love her. You know
2: what? People love Ibsen. They love UNESCO. Right? It's the same thing. More periods than a Pinter play. So there you go. If you had two people dressed all in black against a white backdrop, it would have been called Brilliant in, in <laughs> New York in 1972.
1: Oh, but same because it's something. in Bride of the Monster, it's somehow. Yeah. Here's a yeah. The little, this is a fun little caper where Criswell and Tor and all of the guys are going to steal uh, a prop octopus from uh, the studio. They're going to literally break in and steal this octopus prop. And this is apparently really – this really happened. Apparently this is a true story. You have that, to do uh, this stuff sometimes. They literally stole this prop.
2: Do you know what I almost stole from Disney when I worked there? What? They had a bicentennial – do you remember the movie The Bicentennial Man with Robin yes.
1: Williams? Yes.
2: They had that – they had the Bicentennial Man figure – like half of his body, the, the upper half and the head. And I don't remember if the arms were there. Um, just in a, where, a prop warehouse. And I thought, you know what? I could just sneak this out as like a passenger in my car if I just pulled my car up. <laughs> and nobody would know. Nobody would know. Ben- this, of course, leads to a gag that's brilliant. One of my favorite gags in this movie. Um, with the octopus. There's the
1: octopus falling on. No, was,
2: the Doctor was My favorite Doctopus gag comes later. Oh,
1: later on with Bella. Yeah, we killed him. Yeah. Here we go. It's a good uh, prop. I mean, it's it looks really. It looks really good. It's a good prop.
2: I this movie made me appreciate uh, Burton's the way he comp- his composition more than any other movie. He allows things to really breathe here. And if you look at the stuff that came before this, like, um, well, like Batman, which was just. Use a lot more cuts than he normally did. I guess, mm-hmm. cause, you know, because it was an action movie. But look, look, he just really lets things just play out in a shot. hmm. Much like wood did.
1: Um, right. And because and wood, because he had to, right, right? Wood couldn't shoot coverage. I mean, that was that's right. the problem with Ed, at least. Right.
2: But things just, he, he takes his time with this. And I, I think that's. To just a. It's a great success. There's a lot of heart in this movie that I don't find in most of his work. Right, 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 right. This is. And I, I don't mean I don't think that's a I don't mean that as a bad thing. You know, there's, there's not a lot of heart in *Indiana and Raiders of the Lost Ark*, but it's a brilliant movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But this this is
1: really it's a love story. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a story about friendship. Uh, and that's nice. That's a nice thing. You know, I so said, where's the octopus motor on, What <laughs> octopus motor to make his legs move? Oh, you didn't ask about that. So now they just <laughs> don't blame me. Yeah. Now, 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 now all they have is a rubber octopus. that's just going to sit there and poor Ed in the middle of the night and, and poor ballet. He says, I don't think I can handle a night shoot. He's like, well, of course he can't. Cause he's an old man. He's like 74. And it's the middle of the night, and here he goes, and he's <laughs> going to do it. Fucker? Let's shoot this fucker. That's fantastic. Did you like Bowfinger? Uh, n- I don't know. I've only really? seen it once. Huh. I only saw it once, and I don't remember laughing. I just thought it was very okay. silly, and I just kind of tuned out. I know that people have gone back and said it's a classic, and I have not. Have they? It. Yeah. No, it's got a real g- great rap now, but uh, at the time, I – I was like, eh, I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't. Didn't really work for me.
2: Because this scene is like is replete with scenes like this.
1: Okay, all right.
2: Like where this. it's all the we God have five dollars. Damn, it's a- cold. For <laughs> Bella, they throw him the whiskey. I mean, he could. They could kill this man in this. Yeah, this in is this scene without ever it, realizing it.
1: Putting a seventy-four-year-old man in a, you know, in a cold water and late at night—it's pretty dangerous. Now, did you did your dad ever see or your mom ever see these the Ed Wood movies? No, no. This is they. Neither one of them were movie people enough that they would end up seeing stuff like this. This was. This, I mean, these movies barely played. I mean, that's the other thing with Ed is that, that they did some of these movies did get theatrical releases, but but regionally only. They right. never played nationwide. I mean, they. Plan Nine a, made its way to a lot of. Did it like really? Yeah. I, I mean eventually was... went to television sure but Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, nah, they wouldn't have watched any of this stuff. This is this would not have appealed to to them at all. So no, they don't they don't they know anything about this guy at all.
2: Now when uh, they were watching the vamp, vamp Vampira show, would his movie have been on television at that time?
1: That that's another detail they get wrong is that at the time in when this movie's taking place, White Zombie was was thought of as a lost film. And so it would not have been available.
2: Uh, Right. Okay. To
1: to run on her show. Uh, later it was rediscovered. Some print of it was rediscovered and it's since been digitized and now it's available. But, uh, here he is just rolling around, just screaming as they're filming. Look, look at, look at how much Ed is in love with what he's looking at. He's just enraptured by it. And again, it's like, is Ed fooling himself or is he, I, I guess, you know, that was perfect. That's you like know? you watching
2: Bob Dylan strum a banjo for two minutes.
1: Something like that, yes. I, lo- I love, Eddie, and I, lo- I love the Con Connie and, and the, the, you know, re- wrestling with the uh, the octopus. Here, you go. I got no sleep, and I feel great. Go get him, kid. I
2: um, worked, in the commentary, the, the writers talk about how those two guys actually probably didn't get along very well, and when they do convent, when they did conventions at the time of this movie.
1: Oh yeah, Paul Marco and Conrad Brooks. Yeah, yeah. The movie posits them as kind of like a duo, but in real life, they really didn't get along with each other.
2: They're like uh, Anthony Daniels and uh, what was
1: it Kenny What's Baker? Yeah, Kenny Baker. Did that break your heart when you found out they hate each other? Or they hated uh, each other? It didn't break my heart, but it made me a little sad, sure. It's like, oh, I, you know, that's a shame. I wish they... Because that's
2: like their one thing.
1: You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah.
2: The Simon, the Simon and Garfunkel are robots and they can't get along.
1: <laughs> what chance do we have? That's a good point. Yeah, they can get along. The rest of us are just doomed. People
2: don't know when we end the Skype call, we end everything. Like, it's just... It's Oh, yeah, no, yeah, David
1: and I do not talk in between podcast recording. so this not is directly a, anyway this is the first time we've talked in seven months so your people your your, your bag man your body man is a jerk by the way I don't <laughs> i'll talk to you again when we come back next year to do our viva knievel commentary track that we're gonna
2: do. you know what we gotta do next time you're in la and i think it should be around alamo draft house should be open by the time oh you're the back. la
1: the la alamo draft house okay yeah yeah
2: spend would- three nights there at a good theater. I mean, like, I mean, and I don't mean that in a bad way. No, 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 no. I mean, like, fancy. Like, you're in nice seats.
1: Okay. All and right.
2: pe- people will be beaten for talking. You know, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, well, that's what it, I mean. The, I mean, like, fancy Beverly state was of the quiet, art.
1: Though? New Beverly was quiet. State of the art. State okay. Of the All art. right. Fair enough. When is that plan When is that sp- supposed to be open?
2: Uh, a couple months.
1: Oh, okay. My goal, I'll say this on the air right now, my goal is to come out to L.A. twice a year from now on. That is my goal. That's a really? lot, Rob. I, well, I we'll see. I would, because I, 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 I definitely want to come this time next year, but the thought of leaving a, my, a bleak New Jersey winter in January to go out to California sounds really appealing. And I, I just, oh, hell I'm, yeah. I'm, well, there you go. Well, then that's twice a year. I I will tell you. I just today I went to see Spider-Man: Far From Home with my pal Corey, and we talked about that, and he's in full agreement. So who knows? Who knows what the future holds, David? A race
2: of atomic supermen that will conquer the world. Conquer the
1: world. Yeah. This is the special sinister laughter. I love the the subtitle, sinister laughter. Now, Ed wrote that speech, a special for Bella, to give him something good to good to do. I love. Norman Alden squinting in the background. That's great. They have the pride of the Adam rat party. They probably never even did this. This is probably more money than the movie ever would have spent is to have a.
2: I, I don't that. think anyone would be around, allowed around that meat.
1: Yeah. I love that. Glenn or Glenda was a hell of a picture. This one's going to be even better. Is that possible? <laughs> I love that. That's too. Oh, here you go. Mr. Bunny. What's wrong? <laughs> this Old is, this is where, where Bill Murray floats in and out of this movie. Like a wandering spirit, like his storyline seems to be completely separate from Ed's, except every so often where he just resurfaces. And he supposedly the the sex change didn't go well. We got him in a car accident. That's a true story. What this the thing with the car the sex change? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I thought that that was just for the movie.
2: Unless Wikipedia just picked this off from the movie. Oh wow! I love that he was saved by mariachis.
1: Yeah, if it not been for these men, and then they nod, they nod, and. I don't know how I would have. Now, I will say, I mean, this white pancake makeup that Bill Murray is in doesn't do him any favors. uh, Oh, this guy's for real. For his uh, complexion. We see how pockmarked Bill Murray's face is with this white makeup on. And that was apparently something Bill relatively sensitive about uh, when he was younger. But uh, nevertheless, he became a Hollywood leading man.
2: So this guy the guy playing the um the uh the uh, the keys here is Korlap Pan- Pandit. Okay. He was actually born John Roland Red. <laughs> uh real life musician though.
1: Oh okay, he's a real guy.
2: All right, okay. He kind of looks like Boris Karloff. A he little. pretended to be a French Indian musician from New Delhi but was actually a black man.
1: Inter- really interesting. Yeah. Okay. I love everybody is everybody's on board with with Ed's transvesticism. Look at it. Bell is dancing with him. Criswell puts some money in his garter. There, everybody is just okay. And then uh, I love. I look. How, I love how in love Bunny Breckenridge looks at this. And then he looks, and and he looks for for some kinship with Dolores. And Dolores is having none of it. And like he notices, oh no, Dolores is not looking at him. And he put, slowly pulls the hand off. And walks away, and then he's about to pull off the veil, and there are the dentures, See, teeth. just—that's just the bravest thing I think—is not wearing teeth. He just looks teeth. horrific. And then here's Dolores has had enough. You people are—you're wasting your lives making shit. Nobody cares. These movies are terrible.
2: And she thats the most off. heartbreaking thing she could say.
1: Yeah, but she's right. I mean, it's the thing. It's like you. She's is she? not. She's well. She. I mean, hey. Look. I mean, I guess you could argue Ed's work is still remembered a lot longer than Dolores's, but
2: what? she wrote Elvis songs. Yeah. But about? but
1: like the, not the big ones though. I no. mean, like do the hula and rock the clam. I don't think uh, they're appearing on any Elvis Presley greatest hits collections anytime soon, but they can't but all be suspicious minds. Rob. That's true. That is true. That's funny. You would say that's one of my two favorite Elvis songs, but, uh, uh but I mean, you, but you can't blame Dolores either. You can't because she's just no. looking at these, this crowd of people and she's just, this is just not her scene. It just isn't. Plus, you know, it's not who she signed on to be with in right. her head. Exactly. Yeah, she thought he was probably an up-and-coming, up-and-coming filmmaker, not this kind of, you know, guy who's going to be probably permanently living on the margins of, of society. And she's just not up for that. And he's probably, you know,
2: sucking the hooch.
1: Well, that too. Right. He's drinking a lot. And we, they're, they're we know what right. it does now, to you, Rob. That's true. You know it does, do you? I do have a problem with that.
3: There's God, I
1: mirror. love that Lisa Marie. She is uh she's uh, cuts quite a figure. She's a vision. Yeah. She reminds you of Veronica Lake in many ways. Oh yeah. Oh totally. I can see that. I love this. He's so remember I met you at the brown derby? Oh yeah. <laughs> and Louis so you know, he tra- he tries, he asks her out.
2: <laughs> no, I'm just I'm like, a transvestite. I,
1: I love it. I thought you were a fag. <laughs> no, I'm just a transvestite. Just okay, and then he moves right on. So, how about Friday night? Like, that confidence he's got is pretty amazing.
2: Now, she, uh, she knew her value, the vampira. hmm.
1: Vampira. Sorry, now you're feeling bad for Ed because poor Ed is by himself now, and then he's getting yet another midnight phone call from Bella. When haven't we got that call though? Oh, oh, haven't. We? Yeah, yeah. Oh. And they've got that, again, the car that's constantly smoking. These, again, this is such a beautiful, I love this, this shot of the light, like the dark oh, silhouette of it. Right? I mean, good Lord, it's a, a gorgeous-looking movie. Am I going to get this call from you one day? If I move to Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, like just you,
2: midnight, holding a gun. David, help Ti- me. Tiny dogs yapping in the background. Yeah, eh, probably, probably. Cause you haven't, you still chase that dragon, right?
1: You haven't kicked the ace <laughs> yes. yet. Yes, yes, I am.
2: David, I'm so bloke. <laughs> well, if you live here, you. <laughs> you That's will true. Be. That's
1: true. You the, will. I be. love this. This shot. This underlighting. Oh my god, does Landau look amazing here with this hard, hard light? coming and they're talking about canceling his canceling his unemployment because he can't get any work. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. This is, well,
2: this is all the stuff they tell you not to do in film school, which is interesting. What? Like you have these really stark shadows cast from the bottom. That you, you know what I mean? Like there's why, a lot why, of,
1: why are you not supposed
2: to do that? Because it looks so overly dramatic.
1: Okay. Right. But it works. it works. It works. It's, I mean, this is this is about as low as they're going to get. I mean, Bella is talking about killing himself and he wants to take Eddie with him. All, oh, it'll be We're not
2: going to do that, just so you know. There's no pact between you and me.
1: No, no, no. no, I'm, just gonna, no I'm just going to kill you. I'm not going to. Whoa! It's not, not, not a pact. It's just, I'm just going you... rele- uh, <laughs> to take you released and and. Just going to take out one day. No, this is no, this is <laughs> I, yeah. This is the darkest. This these guy two. grim.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love I love the lip, the lower lip that he's got jutting out. It creates this great shadow over uh, over Bella's upper lip. Looks great. Look at that. He did oh, this. my God. Burton did this to good
2: effect, too, in Batman Returns. You remember when uh, Christopher Walken and uh, Michelle Pfeiffer were in uh, the Max Shreck in Max Schreck's, um meeting room or whatever. And it's where, he's, where he throws her outside of the outside of the window.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: It's a similarly similarly staged scene in the lighting oh, is it?
1: okay. eagle All is
2: right. harsh. And it's done in such a way that she's underlit where her glasses cast a shadow of a mask on her face.
1: Oh, oh geez, I didn't Okay, wow. I haven't seen that movie in so long, I don't remember.
2: This is very Orwellian.
1: I love all the. I love how centrally composed this film is. It's very Kubrickian in a lot of ways. Like the figure is right in the center. Uh, you know, the like the the nurse here at the desk is right in the center of the frame. There's not a lot of detail behind her. There's the these sets are relatively minimal and here Bella's admitting I've been a drug addict for 20 years and I need help. This is, for
2: a celebrity in rehab, from what I heard. Yeah, yeah
1: this is dark. And now now is the darkest. In a moment, we're going to get the, the absolute darkest scene in the movie. Which, And for for a movie that's marketed as a comedy, they, here we go. This tracking shot down the hall. And this was how they handled drug addicts in the 50s. They just strapped you to a bed and let you scream it out.
2: And, yeah, well, it's withdrawal.
1: Look at that. And that is – I mean, that, Bella just screaming into the night. That is – that is heartbreaking. It Were you just... like
2: that when you gave up the Aquaman stuff for a while?
1: <laughs> yes, it was. No, I mean that really is heartbreaking. You know, it's just I can't imagine. I, I've I don't have. I've never done drugs, so I don't know. But I can't imagine. what oh, they're great. Uh, yeah. Well, to come off them is <laughs> <as> just. <laughs> I'm, I'm rolling right past that. Um, Wait, a... that's the problem, Rob. The problem is that they are great. Okay. They Feel so good. Right. That's that's the problem. Okay. Now here's our, here's our, our angel you know, in Angora, our angel in Angora. Kathy Wood played by Patricia Arquette, who manages to do so much with so little. She is given very little dialogue, not out of, I think, a bad job by Alexander She's She's quiet. She's a quiet girl. You could tell that she's sort of very contemplative. She's listening a lot. And then she pauses a lot and then just kind of gives very, brief responses, but boy, she really, you're, you just love her immediately because as we'll see in a, in a couple of scenes, she just accepts Ed for who he is. And this is exactly one. what her role was in Lost Highway, your favorite movie. Oh dear God. Uh, but yeah, I love this. She's making the booties for her dad, which is really sweet, but she's just, look at that. oh my God, she's so good. And then here's this doctor who's talking about. How much junk? Ju- junk in the man, junk in his system. What a phrase! There's a lot of junk in his system. Addicted to morphine, he tried to kick that and got re-addicted there. to methadone. Holy yep. Christ! That sounds. That's a problem. You, everyone comes a methadone after. Oof. Anyway, I've said too go. much. And now, yeah. And now, <laughs> here. This is another. There's another. There's another grim part where you've done nothing but booze your entire life, really. I've never done drugs in my entire life. I'll, I'll say I'm not a, nothing to be ashamed of. One way or the other, I've never. It's not. It's not because I've been some like oh god, I, you know, I'll, I'll die. I'll have a hippie freak out and I'll jump out of a roof. I've just never had any interest. I've never. I've had lots of opportunity
2: in art school. It, you guys weren't like coked out of your
1: minds. No, oh, what coked out of our mind? How much money did you think we had? I know you keep calling Are you me richy rich, you... but yeah, no, no. The guy smoked pot. They didn't. If there if there was cocaine around, I never saw it. Oh, that's it. Stitch, I mean, stitches get stitches. I probably get the most, probably the I would say probably the most drugs I've ever inhaled was when I was walking down Hollywood Boulevard with Corey because every guy's oh, just it's all smoking. legal now, yeah. They yeah, they were just puffing away like it was like a the Dylan vapes. concert down there. whoo man! What? Now
2: when you say the vapors, the vapors, it mean something
1: else. Yeah, yeah.
2: whoa, here we go. He called
1: Not... a press conference to his rehab center, though. That's yeah. pretty sad. That's yeah. low. He's so desperate to get any sort of look at that woman in the background. How sad she looks. That's a tragic little detail. That that woman's waiting for somebody. And she just looks like, look at that. Oh, my God. I don't know who that poor woman is. but You know who that is?
2: is, That's mom watching
1: Superman 4. (laughs) (sighs) I I love Ed's jacket. A little (laughs) spangly kind of thing here. And this is really sweet. She made Bella some booties to cheer him up. And then she says they're black to match his cape. Like... Oh my god, what a great. Uh, look! She looks great. And you now they go on a date. This is really they should They should edit this into
2: the beginning of Us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> this is, I guess the set's supposed to be a Santa Monica Pier. Is that, is that what it's
1: supposed to be? Okay. I'm guessing. I had my comic books on my pulp magazines. The this Shadow. Is, I love those shows. The Shadow of the Inner Sanctum. Yes. Mercury theory. Orson Wells. Orson Wells coming back into it. This will not, of course, be the last time Orson Wells figures into this story. He's uh, kind of a big presence. He's almost a he like Unicron in this. I movie. love it. All right, that's enough. all right. <laughs> this, the the spook house. Look at that spook house. God, I look wish at that thing. Existed. Look at that. It's fantastic. With that dry ice. Oh my God! Yeah, this is one of the most dangerous rides ever concocted. This was way before any sort of safety standards were ever put in for these things because there's a couple times where where Eddie and Kathy almost get beheaded by the – and you just have to know of the ride here. The skeletons are coming out, and then there's the the big head. That's a great head that comes out. But this is the most
2: Burton of Burton
1: things in this movie, I think. Yeah. First picture I ever saw was your friend's Dracula. No. Did you ever see the Mexican Dracula? Same yes. sets and everything? Yes, I have the, I have the Blu-ray, not the Blu-ray, the DVD, but yes, the, uh, the, the actually, here we go, there. You actually have to duck or you would just get your head cocked by that side, oh, side yeah. that goes by. Yeah, the, uh, the, and here the, the guillotine comes down and the lights go out. Yeah, the, the Mexican version's got a lot to, a lot to recommend it. It's got a lot more visual style than the, than the American version, certainly.
2: Well, because it was yeah, it was, I mean, it's virtually the same movie, but yeah. just like the the second draft
1: kind of. Sought like. on the same, shot on the <laughs> yeah. same sets at night. Yeah. Here we go. This is this is my favorite moment with with Patricia Arquette as Kathy, where he's about to break the ice to her very early. This is their first date. Here we go. I love that the, the the head the head shake, and then Gosh, he's going to do it. I like Gosh, to wear she's women. luminescent. I like to wear women's clothes. I know she's, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk let's talk about the movie. Uh I like to wear women's clothes. And then she there she's thinking. Sweaters, pumps, just something I do. And then she's she's thinking, thinking. I but I really like you. Now I you just did I really just admitted this recently to someone, so this is very true to life. Uh here we her only question Does this mean you don't like sex with girls? No, I love sex with girls. Just some and sure then the there. Here, now she's just running it over in her head, thinking, and then, okay, just that simple, okay, it's, it, it's beautiful, it really makes you, it makes you, it'll break, I don't want to say it breaks your heart, but it makes you, it makes me tear up a little, because it's so, it's so sweet, she's just like, I like this guy, yeah, he's got this weird thing, but I like him, and so, okay, it's just this is, great.
2: This is like, uh, probably like Tim Burton's everyday thing before he became famous. Was that sort of confession about something? Oh, probably, probably. yeah. Probably about Vincent Price or uh,
1: taking taking girls to the Spook House and telling them yeah. about. Yeah, I like to make puppets in my in my basement. Okay, air bad doesn't have any money.
2: I have yeah. a collection of shrunken heads. Yep,
1: yeah. and here we go. And now the, you know, I mean, it, the here's we're talking about that a man is addicted to drugs, but he's not going to get any more treatment because he doesn't have any insurance. Good thing. Well, that's
2: no longer a problem.
1: Yeah, thank God we fixed that in this country. That we don't have to worry about that anymore. So. Uh, you've got some great news. You can go home now. I hear Ed's desperately trying to make this seem good when it's not. Now we're done. getting
2: another one-star review because you could, you went political again.
1: I know. I'm sorry. I can't help it. Um, so <laughs> you won't be the first one-star review. It won't be the last one. So it, it looks awful. Look how awful he looks. Oh,
2: these hospitals look terrible too. I yeah. Mean, just...
1: Look how grim this is. All the look at dirty the walls are, and oh God, it's just. Oh. It's like an internment camp. Also timely. Yeah. Very, yeah. Exactly. Don't get political, David. Yeah, um, so uh, I want to make another picture. When are we going to make another picture? Soon, Bella. Very soon. He has no. He has no clue when he's going to make another movie. But he's he's doing anything to mollify his friend.
2: Oh, this it's is just, the most heartbreaking thing because it's just anything.
1: Yeah. This. This another is before production. he passes. Yeah, I mean, look at this. I mean, this is so clearly not a movie. There's no sound equipment. There's nothing. It's just Ed with a tripod. It's like the scene from Fame. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Now here, like the, to me, this is this scene here is the ultimate of like why Ed Wood as a filmmaker. Again, I don't know whether this is real life, but the Ed Wood in this movie, this scene is the epitome of why Ed Wood just j- j- was so bad at what he was doing because he gives Bella the direction, you're in a real hurry. You know, you're in a real hurry. you got to come out of your house, and you're in a hurry to get somewhere. And Bella says, what happens if I'm not in such a hurry? And I take take a moment to smell the flowers, which is the exact opposite of what Ed wants, and Ed goes along with it. Ed's like, I like that. And it's like, well, clearly, if you had an idea of what the movie was, you should tell your actor, do what I ask you to do. But he, he's incapable of that because he loves Bella so much, so he's taking the opposite idea of what Bella is offering to him, which he shouldn't do. And that's why Ed is not a great director.
2: See so he also read it differently, that maybe he's just placating Bella. I so think Bella he, will do. It. He's absolutely placating Bella, but, but just but never, so he'll do it, not because he not to make him happy, but just because he's afraid Bella will bail.
1: Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And here's the premiere. <laughs> Tor's got the the contact lenses oh, so yeah, it's I can't see. he's bumping into things, yeah.
2: Yeah, this is when you should turn around. This is like a screening of Manos. <laughs> similar thing happened. Now see that movie I find able you can make fun of because that was made on for a as as a bet. There's mm-hmm. no <laughs> there's no passion behind it. There's nothing positive, it's just the guy said, I can make a movie for a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. El Paso's own manos,
1: the hands of fate. That's right, dad. right. I hear. I love. I love. Ed tries to, ooh, and he's doing this at the stroke of midnight. I love that he's using stuff from his childhood that scares him. Where he's talking about the ghouls, and this is so clearly not what kids of this era find <laughs> scary. You know, like his, <laughs> he's like Count Floyd. Yeah, he's doing a Count Floyd thing, and like these 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 complete animals in the audience here. The kid tries to grab vampires' boobies. There we go. One of them stole my wallet. This is this is pretty. This is pretty terrifying. This this crowd. It's awful. This, this is not. This is not dissimilar from the crowd that that I was in during uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Point Seven, where I got mugged at night. This is very or, uh
2: Or when you saw Captain
1: Marvel, probably <laughs> yeah. That too. Yeah.
2: That was in Parsippany, New Jersey. What? Which one? The Captain Marvel story.
1: No, that was here. That was here. I, was in I South shouldn't Jersey. tell people
2: where you live. I forget.
1: I was in South Jersey. It was not in North Jersey.
2: I thought of you. I was on Voorhees, Voorhees Street today.
1: Ah, okay. There we go. Next door. Here we go. I hear Kathy's going to jump onto the cab. Somebody Boom.
2: boosted their car.
1: I love that. Yeah, their car. Yeah, their car's been stolen. I love this this riot of teeny faced, uh, pimply faced teeny boppers. It's a it's, it's scary. It's a scary scene yeah. when that happens. Now, now that was a premiere. I love we could see everybody's face, the way they've structured it. We could see everybody. Imagine get seven people in that cab. <laughs> Bella, it's quite it's, a lump. They're quite a lump. Yeah, there we go. I wonder if The Bride of the Monster ever got a premiere anywhere. I can't imagine it ever really...
2: It's not it. that hard. You can pay somebody like a theater like 30 bucks back or like 5 bucks back then.
1: Oh, okay. You four-walling it? Is that kind of thing? Is that what you're Yeah. Saying?
2: Okay. You just need to get it screened to be... Uh... That's how the room. That was the big thing. with right. The room. You had. You had to just get it uh, exhibited in a theater for a certain number of days to to be eligible for an Oscar. <laughs> I
1: guess so. So Netflix you, is doing it.
2: Is that what they? Oh, is that why? Mm-hmm, that makes that, sense.
1: Yeah, Netflix. That's the thing that Spielberg's so pissed about is that Netflix apparently well. is, is, is is right, but Netflix is four walling it and basically then saying, "Hey, it, it got theatrical presentation." Like, yeah, but you never really gave an audience a chance to see it because it was all, you know, Netflix employees or something. So, here's Bella's big moment here. I love how black Ella's Bella's mouth is. I don't know if they put makeup in there or something, but look at look how it you know, like it, it, nobody's mouth is that. It's all CG. Black. <laughs> yeah. It look could have that. been No, 94? Sure. Maybe. I mean, I guess they could have tinted it a little bit. Look at that. I just love it. his mouth. Looks like it's full of oil or something. It, it looks like
2: look... the it looks like the um, the head above him actually,
1: which is this a great it's a, yes. The gargoyle here, this crowd here. Then that would give Bella one last one last crowd to to give him a round of applause. And the guys, you know, here.
2: I heard a story that Jonathan Winters, when he lived in Santa Barbara, would hang out outside of a Safeway or something and do shtick to be recognized.
1: Later in life. That makes me sad. That doesn't. Jonathan Winters. I mean, if he just enjoyed it, good for him. But he shouldn't have to do that. He's Jonathan friggin' Winters. Good Lord. But I don't know. Maybe some of these guys, I imagine if you get the attention, it's probably hard to. When it turns off or something. It is hard. Yeah, I've been there. Uh, Here we go. I love their Johnny Depp's face. Ed's face falls. We know what the news is.
2: I don't want to get this call, Rob.
1: (laughs) Okay. Do
2: you have a clean-up guy? A clean-up guy? You know, like somebody to go through your stuff to make it presentable before before your parents get to a house, just in case there's stuff that you don't want people to see.
1: Uh, I don't, but I'll appoint one now that you've brought it up. You've
2: never thought of this?
1: No. Why would I think? Well, I don't have anything. First of all, I own like nine things, uh, and I don't have anything that I think five of them legal though. Five of them legal. I don't have anything that is really, you know. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. I don't, but my stuff's not that interesting. I have some Blu rays and some old comic books. That's about it, really. Okay. That's it. Do you want to be buried with a trident? I do not. Have you thought about this? (sighs) He's buried with a cape. I do not. I I don't, I'm not even taking this seriously. So, okay. (laughs) He says, I heard, I heard it was in the will. It was how he wanted to be remembered, which is a real, that's real. (laughs) That Bella did was buried. Bella died on my birthday, August sixteenth. Not not the same year, of course, but same day. Here, year after, here, right? Yeah, exactly. The year after. Here's <laughs> here's here's Ed reviewing the footage. You know, and again, it's just nothing. It's just a clip of Bella in front of uh, what was in the movie. It's his house, but in real in real life, it was apparently toward Johnson's house that that where that was shot. Right. And, now, if you uh, just
2: scored that to a Cure song, million-dollar idea. There you go.
1: <laughs> and it's – it's uh, they play Swan Lake under it, uh, right. which, of course, was the music that played in the opening to the original Dracula. So that was, uh, I guess, Howard Shore or Tim Burton's idea to, to use the original Dracula theme for that scene. Here we go. Now, Ed's, Ed's in an apartment. Now, obviously, things have gotten a little worse because he's, now he's in an apartment. He's not in a house anymore. He was in a house with Dolores. And now he's in this apartment, and we see that he has adopted all of Bella's dogs, uh, which is a sweet touch. Uh, I think that's nice that he took Bella's dogs with him, his beloved little dogs. She uh, just moved lo- into Bella's house. Yeah, I wonder why he didn't do that. Yeah, I love it, the line about my stockbroker must have put money in the wrong account. He's just still bullshitting his way through all of this. And here's this guy. I see you're in the picture business. Yes. It just immediately ignores him initially. Yes. That's how you do it. Yeah, I guess so. That's how Kelly Studios got funded, right? <laughs> that's right. So the Fire and Water network got launched is uh we took the money from a church group that wanted to make 12 apostles movies.
2: Now fire and Water, that's about heaven and hell,
1: right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah sure, whatever. <laughs> this is uh by the way this is this is Clive Rosengren. As uh, Mr. Great Reynolds name. here. Yeah, great name. He was in – he's been in other movies like That Thing You Do, uh, yep. Bugsy. Uh, so uh, he's uh, – a couple other – a lot of TV credits. Grave Robbers from Outer Space. Grave, what a, a great the title. Original title. I love that. I love Grave Robbers from what? I love the idea <laughs> that they want to make 12 Apostle movies. Talk, it's like a shared cinematic universe. I was going to say. They're thinking, right. again, ahead of his time. The JCCU. It's a, you know, these guys were really ahead of the ahead of the game here. It's a guaranteed blockbuster. What would the lo- Snyder cut of Thomas's movie be like? Oh my God, I love you. Love the picture in the background that it's off center. That's a great little detail of the whole shoddiness there's of a, this place.
2: There's another head. There's a lot of heads in this movie. Look right above.
1: Yeah, that looks like uh, I don't know if that looks like Tor Johnson. I know it's not, but it kind of looks like him. Could be. Oh, here we go. This is the last footage Bella ever shot, and he's keeping it inside like a pot. Uh, I've this this line I've used a lot too. This is a Ed's internal optimism. This is the acorn that will grow a great oak. That is that is genius.
2: That is uh, the motto of the
1: of your network. Fire and water it? network. It's true. I love the dog sitting there. It's, now look, I love this. This is great too. Kathy in the background painting the spaceships, helping helping Ed out by working on the props, just silently. Helping him out. Oh, this this is great. Oh, God, I love this. With with Paul Marco has gotten the uh, – and then he's too tall as a Delbert for Bella. He's just <laughs> not going to work. And then I love – he says, Ella, I was thinking when Bella played Fu Manchu. <laughs> and then that has to say that was Karloff. And here's another line I use at work all the time. Try to be a cut above. I love that. Every time – Every time somebody at work screws up, I always say, try to be a cut above. I don't need that they, they have no, the only person Definitely in the office do. the only yeah, the only person in the office who knows what I'm referencing is Dan. Uh, because again, he loves Ed Wood like I do, but that's it. Who's Dan? Dan Col- Oh, come on, keep up. He was on Dan the show O'Connor? last week. No, Dan Cologne. He was on the show with me last Dan week Cole. when we did the Jaws commentary. I'm trying to give context to the new listeners. We work together at CBS. Thank you. God. Ugh.
2: It's so inside baseball with you sometimes.
1: I've only mentioned him like three times in this episode. Alright, so now they're having they're gonna have lunch with Elvira, try and get her to the ghoul's wife. She's so horrified.
2: Uh I'm I'm just staring at Lisa Marie.
1: She looks really good. She does look really I lo- I love Kathy defending She's a model. Ed. I love that yeah. oh yeah, where she says, Hey, if Ed turned up his nose he wouldn't have any he wouldn't have any friends at all. She's just very clear eyed about Ed's Sort of strata, social strata. I'll play the part mute. Here's Doctor Tom. Hey, that guy looks like that guy looks like Bella. He does look like Bella. Yeah, I, I think he says, "What does he says?" Fine. Well, look at you. What is the line? You're looking in alignment today. <laughs> <laughs> if only, if only Lois Lane could employ such logic. Mm. Now here's this is Ned Bellamy as Doctor Tom Mason. Uh, he's got hundreds over over a hundred credits. Uh, A lot of TV. He was on an episode of Gotham, apparently not that long ago. He's on the show Treme, Under the Dome. He was in in Django Unchained. uh, Twilight. Uh, So he's been in a whole lot of stuff. Denisha's D, The Pick of Destiny. He's in a lot of
2: stuff. He's in a lot of stuff. See, I had heard about Plan 9 from... Did I ever tell you about Tom Moore? No. Tom Moore uh was my first true art teacher um he was an inker for archie comics who happened to live in my neighborhood okay and uh as a kid i would just show up at his house and he told me everything about the comics industry like what what inkers do what editors do he would show me um pages that he owned like he gave me a carrie Gamble power man and iron fist page he has a it's, I say Bob Kane in quotes, but it's, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he has like a Bob Kane, he had Bob Kane original drawings and everything. So he would tell me all about old radio shows and old movies. And he, and he mentioned plan nine from outer space, which was supposed to be the worst movie of all time. Right. And so hearing about it at 12, I had no idea, but then I saw it at my local video store. I was like, wow, this is not that bad, mm-hmm. but, uh. Yeah, it's all because of Mr. Moore. Oh, okay. Interesting. All right, here we go now. Ed oh, in this the, is my favorite. In, I say this all the time.
1: Ed and the my gang. answer to everybody. Which one? Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ed and the gang is getting baptized just so they can get the money. I love I love how, uh, are you ready to be uh, receive the Lord? Ed yes. He's very excited. <laughs> and then here, Bella Bunnies. Yeah. Do you reject Satan and all his works? Sure. <laughs> he almost drowned. He almost drowns. <laughs> he's so he's so helpless. Uh, the, by the it's... way, this is a Gd Spradlin as the as the Reverend here, uh, the classic, great director, initials director. considering his job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's probably most famous as Senator Geary from Godfather Two. He's always a kind of unctuous, oily kind of guy. And here we go another on the. I like that she has to, the, the 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 low budget nature of Ed's films is that she has to come to the set in her costume where she just looks ridiculous. Well, those are, though wow. today that's, a, that's
2: she, a, she looks like she's going to hot
1: topic. That's a, <laughs> that's a hell of a shot. Um, uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's in Ed's, you know, Ed doesn't have the money to,
2: oh, I love this woman.
1: Dear God. Um, uh, you know, Ed doesn't have the money to put her in makeup when she arrives. So she has to take the bus in her outfit, which is just kind of, uh, you know, a little undignified.
2: She's almost like an anime drawing.
1: Yeah, her, her, her figure is ridiculous. Her waist is insanely not cinched. Nearly not present. Especially when you compare to her very voluminous chest. Yeah, she is crazy. She's
2: a beautiful woman.
1: There we go. Digging up consecrated Blasphemy. What are you talking about? It's the premise of the movie. It's the title of the movie, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Mr. Wood. I love I love his exhortation. Mr. Wood. He's so offended. He's this great. It's like dealing with standards and practices. Yeah. Why don't we change it to plan? Huh. Well, that's ridiculous. <laughs> oh, you ever wonder what the other eight were? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. We don't ever learn what the... I'm surprised that some... Jerkwad didn't decide to make Plan 8 from outer space is kind of a because I mean there was a whole cottage industry you, know, you talk about making fun of Ed Wood you talked about the riff tracks but like the Medved brothers made fun of him. and like there's a there was a movie made of an Ed Wood script called uh, I think I woke up early the day I died or something like that that's and a great was, title yeah and it, but it like I watched it and it's it's making fun of Ed and I just it's like well, I mean yeah like you talk about like the whole punching down thing you're like. Well, the guy's dead. He lived a sad life. He tried really hard. You know, it's like, why do we need to, you know, crap on him? And again, that's why I love this movie so much is that it it doesn't sugarcoat Ed's deficiencies, but it is essentially affectionate towards him and Bella and for this whole thing, this whole notion of outsider art and stuff like that. And that's what makes it palatable. If this movie just dumped on Ed Wood, it would be ghastly to watch.
2: That's why I like yeah, it's not yeah, but it's not even really a celebration,
1: you don't think maybe so? it is oh well, I, mean, I, I think maybe. it is, I think it is, and the, the 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 reason and the reason I say that is because there's a scene coming up very shortly, which is completely made up, but oh yes, gives yes. the movie that lift that suggests that it is a celebration of an outsider who desperately wants to be creative and while doesn't make art to the standards that. Other people think are you know worthy uh, who's to say and and you know I mean think about all the thousands of movies that have been made over the years from the forties and fifties that are lost that are gone forever or that no one watches well, people still watch plan nine people I mean the movies exist they're still available, you know i mean this many this many generations later people still yeah, they watch them to make fun of them or whatever, but at the same time they. They endure. I mean, Planet of Matter Space is a famous title. People still know what it is. I love this. Do you know anything about film production? Well, I like to think so. It's not the details. No, yeah. <laughs> now, these two are standing in for the audience, where they're pointing out, you know, the graveyards and the gravestones are obviously phony, and how come the people arrived during the day, and now it's night? Yeah. This this is him standing in for the audience saying, you know, come on. This is a,
2: this is a young Siskel and Evert.
1: Have you noticed suspended suspension disbelief? I and mean, then here's Who's he? He's our leading man. He happens to be our choir director. He's going to play the young hero. I love that they don't even consult Ed, who's starring in his own movie. Are you people... I'm the director. They got the checks, man. Yep. It's like the
2: director's... It's like the producer's uh, new girlfriend. There you go.
1: Harry storms off. Did you ever see In God Spoke? Uh, no. Oh,
2: I'm surprised.
1: I just, do you like I've movies heard
2: about movies? I do. I thought you'd see it. It's a comedy.
1: Uh, I know. I'm familiar with it. I just, right. I just never, it's, I, I, I'm aware of it. I've just never gotten around to it. Never what about
2: movies think. like Swimming with Sharks, where it's about the industry?
1: I like that movie. That was a fun movie. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good flick. I mean, Kevin Spacey is a rotten bastard. I totally buy it.
2: It's a big moment for Ed Wood here.
1: Yeah, here we go. He's announcing himself in the, in the, in the Angora. What do you think you're doing? I'm direct. I love that GD's probably can't even look at him. He says, remove the kid up immediately. You shame our Lord. And then he literally looks away. He's so horrified. He's so insulted.
0: That's it. I can't take it.
1: Oh, here's your scene, right? And here we go. Here's the, we're going to get to it in, in a moment. Tires area. Tires screeching. Thank you. Subtitles. Take me to the nearest bar and make it. Musso
2: and Frank, very famous old establishment.
1: Oh, this is a real place? Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. That's cool. Where is it? Uh Hollywood. The North Hollywood area. Okay. No. Burbanky. Okay.
2: I'm horrible with Have North you been region. inside it? No, no. Oh, okay. No. So
1: we so this is probably not the real place, the inside, right? This is probably Oh, I don't know. Okay. Oh, there's
2: there's Rob's hero. Yeah, Vincent here's D'Onofrio. the big scene.
1: Vincent's and Dena- I yeah, exactly. Here's the big scene, Vincent D'Onofrio as Orson Welles, voiced by uh, Maurice LaMarche.
2: Ma- right, from uh, Pinky and the Brain. From
1: Pinky and the Brain, who, of course, there was Orson Welles. Now, I will say, I will admit that when I first saw this movie, I didn't know that this was made up. I thought that this was just unbelievable enough to be have, have been true. And, you know, this is 1994, so it's pre-internet, just pre-internet. Uh, right. and I, there was, okay. there was, for me, it was pre-internet. Yeah. I didn't have yeah. access to the internet in 94. And it was just enough that I could not look it up. And I, I really wanted to believe that this happened. Now I knew that Ed never met Orson Welles, where Orson gave him a rousing speech to go live your dream. Ed. I mean, I knew that cause I mean, the music, uh, the, the triumphant music lets you know that the scene is fake, but I wondered, boy, did Ed Wood ever actually meet Orson Welles? That's just, crazy enough that it might have happened. And then I learned, no, this is, this is entirely fictitious here, but uh, it's still fun anyway, because it's, it's, it's Ed meeting, you know, his spirit, essentially his spirit guide is uh, the guy, the the guy with the ultimate, the ultimate outsider who got a chance to make his art the way uh, unfiltered. And of course he made the greatest thing ever. So. Oh, what was that? Transformers (laughs) the movie? Yes. Yes. Transformers the movie. Wait, the,
2: oh wait, for you, though, that's the Magnificent Amersons, right? You think that's the greatest thing ever?
1: No, Citizen King, Citizen King, Citizen, Citizen Kane? King. Yes. Visions are worth fighting Citizen for, Ed. Citizen Kane. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? That's very bad. Va- now, they do get a detail wrong here where he talks, laughs about having to cast Charlton, Hexen, Charlton right. Heston. Right. Charlton Heston as a Mexican. Which was the other way around, of course. Touch of Evil. It was that Heston brought Wells on. Right. Uh, To shoot that movie. And it was actually Heston using a bit of his cred to get Wells the job because Wells was kind of in the doghouse back then and and no one thought he was hireable. And it was Heston that that sort of stood up and said, no, 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 I want this guy to, to do the job. So that's that it's an unfortunate detail in that it inverts the credit that Heston should have gotten. But, you know, it's okay. It's 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 not. It just meant to be a joke and a scene, but uh, what do you think of that as a scene? Uh, Do you think that goes too far? uh, No, fictitious. No, no. I mean,
2: you're not. If you're looking at this movie for facts, don't. You know, right? Right. Much like the the Bohemian Rhapsody,
1: there's. But do you think making up a scene entirely is too far? No, because you
2: have to do that. Like you know how there are composites of characters and. Well, right, but that's still – you're still – Those are made-up scenes then. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean who knows really what inspired him to come back if such a –
1: if there was even that sort of – Yeah, momentary breakdown. That's true.
2: Yeah.
1: Here we go. Now, Bunny Breckenridge is finally in one of these movies, and this is the famous – Ah, yes. Plan 9 deals with the resurrection of the dead. I love these props. These these jerry-rigged props. Everything's he's just, just to touching st- things, stitched together.
2: Did you ever see Dimension Five? I think it's what it's called. It was. Um, oh my god! What was the name of the guy who played Christopher Pike in the in the Star Jeff- Trek pilot? Jeffrey Hunter. Jeffrey, Jeffrey Hunter. He sits in a device that is supposed to like brainwash you or something like that, and it's just uh, uh, one of those uh, curling chair those chairs that are in. Um, salons that a woman would put her curling things in.
1: Oh, okay, with the big machine on their heads and stuff like that. Yeah, oh, that's wow. all it was. Okay. And that's here. Here we go. I love this. The fire. the the. Where's the where's the where's the cockpit set? You're standing in it, and it's just a curtain and two folding See This chairs. is great
2: stuff. This is better than most people sh- shoot. Their internet stuff
1: on. Yeah, look at this. This is web shows. This This is is a really good. This is that miniature is great of the Hollywood Hills. This looks great. I mean, the 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 winged pie, the flying pie plate, not great, but that's a great miniature. That's a that's a straight up nice looking minute here. I like this. This is a this is a more compelling shot than anything you see in Plan Nine in terms of the angle because we're doing it to get to get Ed in the shot as he's directing. I love that he's mouthing the dialogue. He knows all the dialogue uh, by him. You know by heart, and then The Smoke. Have
2: you ever done theater?
1: Oh, no. No. Not even I'm, in I'm, school? I would never want to be on stage. Never.
2: Aren't you going to be on stage in a week?
1: Yeah, well, in three weeks, and yes, thank you so much for reminding me. i terrified I'm going to be about that.
2: Are you going to dress up in a tuxedo?
1: I am not going to do that. Uh, it is July in Philadelphia. Maybe. Are you going to
2: dress like Bob Dylan?
1: What, what would that even be? Which entail? Bob Dylan? Yeah, Which exactly. Dylan? What With the polka dot shirt, the Wait, which Bob Dylan am I supposed to? The Riverboat Gambler, Bob Dylan. The, I don't Here's know what version. I think you should do. During the course of the show, you have changes. You have costume
2: changes, right? Oh, okay.
1: Right. So you go from the from early Dylan. Okay. All right. Folky Dylan to Mod yeah. Dylan to Okay. Right. By the way, everybody, that little moment where David just said, "Here's what I think you should do." That's the That's the summation of our relationship. This is, <laughs> David, here's what I think you should do. Calling me or texting me with here's what I think you should do. This is that is what our life is. Have like. they ever been really bad ideas though? Well, <laughs> no, honestly. I just I I I will just Outside say of will just Outside say, of that one. I will just say I will just say it is very easy for you because you are constantly pitching me ideas that then I have to execute and do all the legwork for. That's all. Rob Okay. Let's, hey, Rob, you know print. what you should do? You should get this guest to do this. Oh, oh, okay, I'll just do all that. Thank you very much, David.
2: There are those of us who are idea people. <laughs> and then there are those of us who do the executions of uh, those ideas. The, the grunt
1: work, I understand. I, I don't just,
2: like to call it that.
1: Why why, why why? should I work so hard to execute someone else's dreams, David? Every general. Here, I love this jog, by the way. This little jog. that Eddie, take a bow. Here's this little jog. I love this with the arms raised. This is here. You yeah. go. This This is, is like disaster artist stuff. Look at that. Th-th-th-th- he's so proud. Now, of course, Plan Nine never got a premiere. Like, look at this premiere. This right. is a nice premiere. There's it's hundreds full. of people, people here. Up. People in yeah. tuxes. Yeah, this never happened. Plan Nine never got any sort of official premiere. It just got dribbled out and went nowhere. So,
2: well, but. people would have dressed up back then anyway. But
1: well, that's uh, true. People did look at look at the balconies. This is great. And there's Bunny. we got the whole gang there. But yeah, this is a beautiful theater. I mean, my that God. That looks like
2: the Pantages Theater. I'm not sure. I think sure it, what is. it is. I think, I think yeah. they even
1: draw up to it and they say it's. Okay. It's filmed. That's where I saw the monkeys. It's, oh, really? Wow. It's yeah. a beautiful theater. Look at this. That's oh, it is. Huge, that's a huge theater. Look at that.
2: Yeah. Well, I've, you got it. You had, you had the three monkeys, the three surviving monkeys at the time performing. It was a big deal. Uh,
1: here we go. Here's Tor and his family. They're in a deleted scene. The family. There's Dr. Tom. There's Criswell sneaking a drink. There's uh, There's Connie and Paul Marco. There's there Lisa Vampire in a translucent outfit looking great. Bunny. And there's Ed and Kathy. And they've written, produced, directed by Ed Wood Jr. Only two people do that Ed Wood uh, and Orson Welles. And David Gutierrez. David Gutierrez. Yeah, look at that. This is
2: great. Well, this is so heartbreaking, though, isn't it? His yeah. final, his final film.
1: Yep. Well, not. I mean, Bella's. Yeah, not Ed's. But yeah.
2: no,
1: no. Uh, there's a moment here where you think Ed. Here, where we hear what's going on on the screen, and we know from the audio that the cut is incredibly bad, because we we find out that the that Bella's character gets killed off by a screeching car, and we hear the 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 sound effect of the car screeching out of a thousand other films. And you could tell by the edit, the sound edit, that it's incredibly abrupt. And Ed actually, in a moment, is going to look at the crowd to see almost as if, did I just get away with that? And I feel like in that moment, Ed knows how sloppy that edit is. And he's looking to the crowd to see the reaction. And it's like, did I just get away with that? And and no one, I guess, throws anything at him. So he's like, well, okay, I guess I got away with it here. He's about to do it. That old man left at home, never to return again car tires so- screeching, band screeching. He's like, ah! <laughs> and then here, right at this moment, he looks around. Like, did anybody anybody yelling at me about this? No? No? Okay, I guess I got away with it. The one, Yeah, and then here's here's his big moment. This is the one. This is the one. I'll be oh, it is the bad day Just, uh, David. Now, do, do you wonder why they didn't use the real footage? That's interesting. You're right. They used real footage of Bella in... The other movie, but not right. there. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't know why. Why they didn't use the look at the pouring rain. But I mean, it's funny. I mean, it's this movie is you know sweet and sour, and that you know Ed has the line, "This is the one I'll be remembered for," which is accurate, but of course not the way he. It's intends. not the way you want to. Yeah, I looked, the car is filled with water. <laughs> I don't even think the car would drive anymore if it's that soaked. But what am I? Who? How do I know? Uh, they're clearly not
2: in LA if it's raining like that.
1: Right. Look at that. And then look at the again. What a crowd. That's quite packed. i Spider Man wasn't as crowded today that I went to. So here we theater go. Is mine. Yeah. I mean, it was full, but just. I mean, just no. this This theater was. This Plan Nine really packed them in, and now we have this wonderful pan up over these. Which I have to think this is all. This is all. Uh, in effect. These this is all, yeah, composite. Yeah, yeah. they composited, the, which is, again, a nice blend that it goes from real footage to these, these models. And now we're going to get these title cards. Uh, and I remember seeing this movie in the theater and people clapped at every title card uh, because they just felt like it was a nice way to celebrate these people. And then they do mention he has slow descent into alcoholism and in monster nudie films. Died in 1978 at the age of 54, which is tragic. At 54 – That's young. That's a young man, and uh, he died – he clearly died of alcoholism, and that's just – its sad. It's just a sad thing. Now, I imagine Kathy was married to Wood Eddie for 20 years. After his death, she never remarried. I think she only passed away a year or two ago, Kathy Wood. It wasn't that long ago. Yeah. And here's Bella –
2: Legosi.
1: This this line got a huge applause about his memorabilia outsells Boris Karloff's, which how the hell could you even quantify that? But people Karloff? loved it. Sidekick? Yeah. He's dead now. Bunny Breckenridge. Yeah, we were Pain so festival. excited when we saw this title card and said he was living in New Jersey. We were like, we have to find We gotta find guy. him. Yeah, <laughs> we gotta find Bunny Breckenridge. This would be great. But of course you never got around to him. Yeah, he passed away not that long ago. Here's Dolores Fuller talking about that she wrote Elvis Presley songs. Rock a Hula Baby and Do the Clam. Again, not his greatest Do the Clam. That's subtle. Yeah. 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 (laughs) But, you know, good for her. She got out. She got out. Here's Tor Johnson. Greatest fame as a best-selling Halloween mask. That's true. Saw that in in the back of a lot of Warren magazines. Did you own one? Huh? Did you own one? No, I did not. I did not. I dressed as... I had a lot of Don Post, uh, long oh was right, Vampira, and they talked about she su- unsuccessfully sued Elvira for stealing her act, which is sad, but you know again I understand it. And Now uh, here these two, I love this. I love that Paul Marco is founder and president of the Paul Marco Fan Club. What a great, what a great detail. Of course he is. Who else? Who better to run the Paul Marco Fan Club than Paul Marco? You run the
2: Rob Kelly Foundation. I right? do. For, I for do. This.
1: It's also known as the Fire and Water Podcast Network.
2: Tom Mason went on to found the Ultraverse. One of the <laughs> Ultraverse founders. <laughs> he was in dinosaurs for hire.
1: Edward filmed Night of the Ghouls, which I have seen. I've seen Night of the Ghouls. Uh,
2: this guy went on to Last kids.
1: And then here we go. Yeah, oh God, yeah, Criswell. I love. He departed our dimension in 1982. What a great tag to, to to wrap up the movie on. He he didn't die in 1982. He departed our dimension. I have a book of Criswell predictions. From the '60s, which are fantastic. It's a gen- It was a real book that he published.
2: JFK uh, mentioned?
1: Uh, no, no JFK, but it's it's all full of like we will live on the And then the title card, the end, filmed, filmed in, in Hollywood, Hollywood USA. USA. I mean, just I mean, Burton just did this right up to the end. I mean, just right. every little detail is exactly what it should be. So it, I think it had an was- ending,
2: which was great, which was odd for a Burton movie.
1: <laughs> it, like it does a have a great ending. ending. I, 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 I genuinely think this is a perfect movie. I don't. I, I can't imagine any part of this movie that I would no change. No fat, no yeah. fat at all for two. And it's over two hours. It's over two hour movie. Didn't feel like it. Nope. It's like nice talking it's, to you. But, yeah. well, that's well, that's true. Uh, but uh, no, this is a great movie. It's now that it's twenty five years old. It, I still think it it stands as Burton's greatest achievement. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I it, it, we, we got lucky that it was made the way it was because I think if someone else maybe later on had done it, it would have been more, let's kick this guy around a little. And instead, Tim made a Valentine to this guy, Antebell Lagosi, And, and that's great. That's what makes it so enduring. Who's your Lagosi? Seriously. Hmm.
2: Who's your Lagosi? Like, if you had somebody that you would look up to like this, who who
1: is it? What do you mean? You're Ed Wood. Who's your Legosi? I don't, I can't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. That's, a, I don't, I mean, because I don't, I, I don't have anybody in my career track that, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, oh, Ed, yeah. Ed had a special relationship with someone who was in his field. I don't really have that. I mean, I have been very fortunate that through the network and through the Aquaman Tron, I've gotten to be friends with a lot of the people that I grew up reading. And I'm very, that, that is, I'm the, the greatest thing, uh, out of all this crazy stuff that I do is that I get to you meet me. Yeah. Well, there's that, but I mean, uh, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I got to have lunch with Alan Brenner and I got to have J.M. Demetrius on my show and I got, to, that's been great. But, but I mean, this is, this is a whole different thing because Ed was trying to take care of Bella and that's never, yeah. I've never had that relationship with anybody like that. I'm, I'm, it's always a, you know, I'm not trying to help somebody out. I'm, I'm worshiping them for far, but of course you try and I mean, you've had, you've met a bunch of people. I know that you worked with, uh, Bilson and DeMeo and you love those guys. Oh yeah. I Yeah. I miss Paul very much. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird thing to meet some of your heroes, but sometimes it can it can be nice, you know. I mean, Ed Ed had an interesting relationship, but uh, luckily, I've never met anybody that I really worshipped. Or I mean, I worship. I, I'm 47 now. I don't worship anybody. I don't think anymore. But uh, you know, it, it, you hopefully you know when you get to meet people in your life that you really admire. They're they're in a good place, and you can have a kind of equal relationship. I mean, I was very fortunate in that, like I said, when I had the lunch with Brenner. Uh, we just talked about his work and I, you know, he knows how I feel about him. He knows how much I love his work, <laughs> but I don't, come on, stop. You know, I mean, it's like, I just mean, I don't have to keep going on and on about how right. much I love his work cause he knows, he knows that. And it's only going to make him embarrassed. So, you know, but, you quote uh, his work to him? No, 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 no. no.
2: So. Do you remember in panel five? Yeah. It
1: was the, so yeah. Forget. No, that's the, the, the people like, they don't want to talk about that stuff. That's weird. So. But. Oh, that's how I am, though. Well, I know <laughs> you're very off putting, David. We know that. So, oh, God, uh, so here, we, well, now we've, we're done. Ed Wood, distributed by Buena Vista Pictures. They probably regretted it, but uh, you know. Well, doesn't... you know what?
2: You know what? He felt. Listen, because he produced their Nightmare Before Christmas, which is their, which is a huge cash cow.
1: Right. They, for they can wheel that out every year and make money off of it. Right.
2: There's tons of sad, depressed girls. <laughs> Teenage girls that love stripes, you know what I mean? It's 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 fine. He did them a solid with that movie,
1: yes. So,
2: yeah, but uh, but thanks for letting me do this. This was fun. We should do this again with uh, I don't know, LA Confidential or something. Or, <laughs> well, like you said, the commentary Highlander, are...
1: the co- oh, we already did Highlander. The commentary, we did not
2: do Highlander as a commentary, no,
1: we did not. The commentaries are a tricky thing because they have to be. A movie that I know, have a lot to say about, and that's the only thing. And so we've talked about other movies, and there are other movies that I really love. And like LA Confidential, I love that movie, but I don't know if I have a whole ton to say about it necessarily. There's a lot to say about it. It's a-
2: well, I'm not. Sad. How about this? In the comments for this thing, people can write what they think we should do.
1: I like that. I'd be okay. It would be like that. And if if one strikes our fancy, we can do it. Like I said, I did the Jaws one last week, and yeah. I've been really been and I have other ones planned. I've really been enjoying doing these. Why have you inst- done Raiders yet? I know I'm not the right. I guy know. For that, why I know. haven't you done Raiders? No, I haven't. Well, again, I didn't. It didn't occur to me to kind of do commentaries. I really, but now that again, no. I know how much I enjoy listening to them by when other yeah. people do them. So, and they, I'll be honest with you they're kind of easier to do because you just put the movie on and you talk about it as opposed to having a list of points where I'm constantly having to worry. Did I not get this in? Did I get to this, get this in or that? So yeah, I, I have other ones planned and I'll be doing other ones uh, down the line. The MASHcast is going to resume. Uh, we're going to finish up season two of MASHcast, but I have other commentaries planned. So, so David, uh, thank you for, for joining me. This was super fun. We I love this movie and it's great to talk about it. Me too. Me too. All right. So where can people find you on the internet? Holy. I
2: don't have a lot going on right now. Um, I should have an interview with Eric Stewart going up soon and you could print that. Okay.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. David Stewart from Eurythmics. <laughs> I was um, about to ask you. I'm like, uh, I don't know who that person is. That you're Eric to, Stewart. Dave Stewart, uh, yes.
2: It's from uh, 10CC, I think. Okay. David S. Stewart from Eurythmics. Um, and then this thing I just did, uh, actually a few months ago, I did a rock solid episode about Bohemian Rhapsody that I think people should check out and, uh, Texas tunes where I discuss, um, some songs from, uh, songs from musicians that either live, lived in or were from Texas. Um, and, and anyone who knows me from your show knows that I'm a huge music guy. So that was a real big passion project for me to do in episode four. Um, I think that's about it. All right. Well, what's
1: your your Twitter handle though?
2: Uh, DM Gutierrez, D-M-G-U-T-I-E-R-R-E-Z. You can often find me uh, making fun of you on Twitter. One of your many...
1: Oh, well, Twitter on accounts. many social – you can find that on many social platforms. It's yeah, unlimited yeah. to Twitter. Giving
2: you life advice.
1: Yeah. well, that's also, that's also not limited to social media. That's texting and email. People and
2: don't need to know like – people need to know that we are like family at this point.
1: God help – everybody I got to mention, God help you if David Gutierrez calls you and you don't answer. Oh, man, <laughs> does he get offended. God not oh. it offended.
2: It's just you never pick up. It's a, it's a constant
1: I thing. have a busy social life. I you don't do, know not. What tell you, you do not. How you di- do not. Di- you right. do not. All we're, right. We're wrapping this episode. We're wrapping anyway, up. So, of course, if you want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts and on Stitcher. And we're always talking movies over on Twitter, which is at filmandwaterpod. So, thanks, everybody, for listening. Flagstar Review. You- Yeah, please leave a five-star review on iTunes. That would be very much appreciated. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope you enjoyed this 25th anniversary commentary of uh, the great Ed Wood. And if you have not seen this movie, uh, go out and get it. It's available on Blu-ray. It's available on DVD. Um, I think it's even available on Amazon Prime. I'm sure when Disney Plus comes out, it will be available over Disney Plus, too. So uh, it's it's a classic. I love this movie. Pull the string. Pull the sling. Pull the sling. And so now we are going to uh, cut it to, to some, uh, some stock footage of Buffalo. So uh, thanks, <laughs> everybody. thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, until the next episode of Film and Water, that's a wrap. That's perfect.
0: You have seen this incident based on sworn testimony. Can you prove that it didn't happen? Perhaps on your way home, someone will pass you in the dark. And you will never know it for they will be from outer space. Many scientists believe that another world is watching us this moment. We once laughed at the horseless carriage, the aeroplane, the telephone, the electric light, vitamins, radio, and even television. And now some of us laugh at outer space. God help us in the future.